That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Yeah, I know. Because I can't get right. This is cutthroat. This burns as words pop from a snub nose. This Kurt meant skirt and I give a fuck mode. Because I can't get right. Because I can't get right. Yeah. Hey, this is Can't Get Right with me, uh, Kurt Metzger. And, uh, I got my glasses on this episode because I think I scratched my cornea. So they are too small for my head if you're uh, watching. And uh, the show's called Can't Get Right, not not Nailed It. So why don't you leave me alone? Uh, I got a good guest today from Mint Press. Uh, in fact, if you watch Jimmy Dore's show, we were talking about his story about uh, my old boss, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, There's Alan McLeod. Is it McLeod? That's right. Oh, okay. It's not McLeod, if that's what you thought, uh, people <laughs> watching this. It's McLeod, like the Highlander. And uh, so, Alan, I asked Aaron Mate to email introduce me to, because I was curious about that article, because, uh, you know, I used to work for him, and I, and I wanted to know more about how he got into it. So, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, um, I, well, okay, so we did a thing about it on Jimmy Dore. I don't know if you saw it, with uh, John Kirikow, that's CIA guy who... Uh, I, I had, this is wild to me that I never heard this story at the time because it was such a big thing, but I guess he's the one at the CIA who revealed waterboarding was going on, right? Was that, that That's right, yeah. And then he actually went, went to prison, right? For he six years. Prison. He went to prison for six years. Which, if I think about the amount of, like, liberal, like, this is terrible at the time that I heard about, the, about it, I never heard the guy's name. I never heard, like... This guy's doing six years for telling us about this thing that we should know about. Um, I remember uh, people being like, I remember a lot of conversations of like, well, if you know a bomb's about to explode and um, you got a 24, like the like the hit film 24, torture the bad terrorists to f- save your loved ones, are you not going to do it? And uh, that was all I heard, it, like those debates and nothing about how we knew. I, I mean, how, I, I want to get him on too to find out how that, played out because it's not just Snowden and you know Chelsea Manning and these other people there's all there's more I keep learning about them from doing Jimmy Dore's show but there's more people that come out you don't hear that like nobody talks about him it won't even come up like Assange I think in the future um anyway John Kierkegaard we talked about your article and uh so I want to ask you about it like the title of the article was Sasha Baron uh, Cohen is uh, closer to power than he I should probably have Mike uh, put it's, it up. Uh, closer scrutiny reveals how close to state power Sasha Baron Cohen really is. And it's at mintpressnews.com. Right. And then, so the thing that I was confused about was like, the, when I worked for him, I just assumed he was close to state power because he's a, a an old old money Oxford kid. You know, he came off to me like a guy who was, uh, his brothers all probably all did something you know, more, more of note, and he's, he did comedy because he's a funny dude. And, and there was always like a sense, like now he's, <laughs> I don't know, I keep seeing him going through his Jonah Hill serious period, I call it. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it reminds me of that like weird shame that like certain funny people feel that 
they do comedy when the world, you know, I don't know what it is. There's a thing where people get successful or from their comedy and then they're like ashamed of it or anything. I brought up the example of the old gong show when uh, Chuck Barris, I think the guy's name was, wrote a memoir that he was a CIA hitman because everybody trashed him so much as that his show was the end of, the gong show was the end of civilization. So George Clooney, yeah, he hit, hit man. I, I don't know why anyone would go to Chuck Bears for it. It seemed like he just was, well, I can't just be funny. So would it like, and I didn't see anything in the article about documents or something like I saw with some other stuff, but uh, I don't know. What, like, what did you think the connection was? Because I kind of on the, on Jimmy show was like, I can't, ima- I, I don't know. I had a hard time seeing how Sasha would be, uh, uh, no, I mean, I think uh, to call him like to like be some sort of like CIA guy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that um, a lot of my work focuses on how increasingly pop culture and also social media has been penetrated by the national mm-hmm. security state. Yeah, I think um, what got me interested in Sasha Baron Cohen specifically was I was listening to a couple of people uh, talk in a podcast. One of them was Sina Ramini, who I. Uh, quoted in the article and they said that uh, there's a famous clip of him on one of these big uh, late night shows where he just casually says oh yeah you know we were trying to get this uh, scene done so I called in my CIA contacts and I was like what what the fuck you can't just say that and then just like move on like that's something totally normal and so there was no follow-up question or anything or did you do you think someone no, took no. that as a joke you know like I'm sure he did call uh, a CIA contact but that I'm sure. No, no, it wasn't. uh, It wasn't um, pitched as a joke at all. It was just like you know, this is what we do. And I think a lot of people don't realize just how um, interwoven into pop culture both the Department of Defense, the FBI, and the CIA are now are. So, Mm -hmm. just for instance, uh, two researchers, Matthew Alford and Tom Secker, in their book National Security Cinema, Mm -hmm. they've been filing FOIAs for years and years. Uh, these two English researchers to the CIA, to the Department of Defense. And what they found was the Department of Defense alone from the documents that they've been given have been involved in the production of over 800 Hollywood movies and more than 1,100 TV shows. Mm. A lot of them are military-based, but a lot of them are pop culture, and you don't even realize things like, even things like Ellen or The Price is Right. Ellen? Oh, I wait, The well, Price generally, is Right? Yeah, generally what happens is it's a lot more, you know, you'll see military members in full gear on the program and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, thank you for your service. It's kind of very soft um, kind of insertion of pro-military propaganda. Sometimes, you know, wow. as many documents say things like, well, we will put military members in combat fatigues in very uh, important positions in the crowd so people notice them. And I'm sure if, you, if you're a sports fan, you've turned on, you know, an NFL game and seen like a whole week of salute to service or yeah. NHL as well. So these sorts of things happen all the time and we don't really think of them as propaganda. And we also don't right. think like uh, this is actually taxpayer funded. So in fact, what's happening is that all Americans are, you know, paying to be bombarded with this sort of pro-war propaganda all the time. And so that's kind of yeah. like one reason that I was interested uh, just because uh, Sasha Baron Cohen kind of casually put this out there. Yeah. You mentioned 24, of course. Um, the CIA has been involved in that as well. Right. Uh, they work very closely with the writers. The writers of 24 bounce ideas off of them. Same with Homeland as well. Um, they bounce uh, ideas off of national security state members, and then they come back and say, this is how we do it, and then they suggest 
Um, they suggest, uh, you know, plot lines or whatever. And actually, research has been found that shows that um, once people see uh, images of torture in uh, shows like 24, they are much more likely to uh, support torture being used on non-Americans in these situations like in Abu Ghraib or in uh, Guantanamo Bay because right. it's kind of been sent to them as this idea that torture works when in fact it totally doesn't. Anyway, about yeah, right. um, yeah. what I was going to say is, um, so uh, yeah, I looked up this master list of 800 movies and I thought, I'm sure a Sasha Baron Cohen movie has been on there if he's talking so casually about right. the CIA. And yeah, there, the Department of Defense uh, list did show uh, Bruno on there. And that's what, that was my end to looking at that entire world. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I would have thought it was the dictator would be the one that was, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that one was, um, the, I know the two writers that work with him who are hysterical and like, so that has funny lines there, and there's parts where I'm like, oh, but this is a weird, like there's a, there's a part in the dictator, this is before I worked with him, I saw it and I was like, that's a weird part, but it was him and um, uh, Manzukis. I can't remember his first name, he's in a bunch of things and he's like the sidekick to the dictator, right? And they're talking yeah. about the missile they're going to shoot at Israel. And he's like saying it won't, it's got to be like round instead of pointy. You know, it's like this comical argument. And, um, and, but it kept coming up like, oh, don't worry, we'll blow up Israel. He, he, he. And I was like, oh, what a strange, <laughs> like, thing to keep putting out, like, where I'm like, what? Well, I don't understand. So having met him, he's like that, where he has, um, I don't think he reads a lot of stuff, even, even though he's a smart guy. I think he knows a lot of people, like, saying my CIA contact, I think he has contacts like that that are like it's kind of like a little bit adding gravitas or something you know like i got the impression he's the one that became a clown out of his <laughs> out of his yeah. family you know i the reason i got along with them so well was they were like wise ass like you know they probably should have used their intellects to do something more more something for society but they chose to make jerk off comedy which is something i like a lot it reminds me of like mel brooks or something which is like my you know, that's why he's a Tom. He he had like a very Mel Brooks sensibility, but that's a almost lowbrow for somebody who's like a highborn. You know, like, and there's this like shame attached to it. So he would always have these things. We got in an argument. I saw this on Jimmy's show about Antifa, which this is before you just heard them all the goddamn time. Like, and he he had this whole thing about like it's just lesbians marching, and I I know somebody that got punched by them <laughs> for videotaping. You know, like. I'm like, no, the, it's not a, he had a whole thing of like, what's wrong with punching Nazis? And and so I'm like, well, one, if that's, if Nazis are a problem, we're going to have to probably shoot them. I don't think punching is going to defeat the Nazis. And then two, they just hit anybody and call them a Nazi afterwards. So they don't really identify them right. It's poor, like Portland's a, fuck, a silly place. So <laughs> he got, he made me leave the room. We got, I had to leave the room over it. It wasn't anything like where we weren't like cool afterwards, but he if he feels strongly he's going for it he don't care and it that dictator thing like when i think about it, like sounds so much like it thing. yeah we're we're putting this thing about israel in you know um so but i imagine a lot of things he would think strongly coincide with like it would like it would be like you just be at a party with important people and then if you think about like the when when julia childs or gloria steinem and we're like doing CIA stuff, it turns out, you know, like, I don't think they even need to clue the celebrity. And I think they can just tell one celeb and then they just spread it around to the others at a party. And <laughs> a lot of people are almost trained 
after all this time of doing what you were talking about, a bunch of people are just trained to think that way anyway. So I think they probably have to do very little extra, you know, to like get the, it's almost like self-replicating kind of propaganda machines that, that we, we have now. I've noticed that a lot with like a lot of Hollywood people. Um, but oh, sure. yeah. do, do you, like the thing about the price is right. And um, that subtle thing is, I don't think I wasn't, I might've heard that, but I wasn't really like aware of it. Like that's the thing that's so creepy is like, why would you be on Ellen or there's something gross. Is that part of that act that legalized, uh, Amer you know, propaganda towards its own towards American citizens? I, I can't remember the name of it. The act. That uh, what the NDAA do you mean? Yeah. Is the NDAA. Cause you know, it's, I was looking it up after we had talked about it uh, uh, on his on Jim's show and it just had the whole baseball story. It's like, it's not anything. It's just so they can play the baseball games to Cuba. And that's what John Kierkegaard mentioned. And the thing that's funny is I kind of remember hearing a mutated version of that NDAA. And when I first met Sasha, <laughs> talking to him about it, and I don't remember, I think I said something, what I've been told is Obama signed something that's going to do something with free speech in some way. I remember I put it and so I was like, no, that's misinformation. So he must've been talking about, it's just baseball to Cubans. And I don't know, that's amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, the, the crux of it was that, um, it came up in the two thousands. Uh, probably a lot of people are aware that the United States government spends a lot of money beaming radio waves and TV stations into Cuba. Basically, you know, a lot of it's kind of very soft, but a lot of it's kind of hard. And the whole point of it is to try and undermine the Cuban government. But the problem is, is that these uh, radio stations are all built in South Florida. Mm. And that means that pretty much anyone in Southern Florida can pick up these government sponsored propaganda shows. And that really, you know, set up a legal problem where, you know, this is propaganda, this is meant to, you know, overthrow the government and it is government sponsored. And that is not allowed under American law. And so they had to kind of change the law to get around this. And as you said, like, you know, some people were like, no, it's not, it's no big deal. But what it actually means is that now that the, uh, the American public are now completely fair game for, you know, psychological operations uh, done by the government. And if history is anything to go by with, you know, things like, you know, yeah, the head yeah. of the NSA saying stuff like, we are absolutely not wiretapping Americans. We are not spying on anybody. We're not collecting data. And then Edward Snowden's revelations come out and blow that entire narrative out of the water mm -hmm. it seems pretty likely that you know this could be being used for just this sort of uh, action well i think now there's an interesting thing happening because it's so grotesque that you know it's easy to look at ukraine that the spoiling for a war that and on every these are like the le the leftist channels here the news channels are like jimmy played the thing of uh, jim acosta now i know he's a human blank but jesus christ He's he's calling Tucker Carlson a Bolshevik and a communist for asking <laughs> questions that I wanted an answer to. Like, you know, why are you doing this? What do we what is it we're getting out of creating World War Three? Just basic shit. And instead of answering the questions, I hear how he's a, one of the bad people. I still want to know the answer to the question, even if I, you know, didn't care for his bow tie uh, wearing and other stupid things about him. And, and, and then to count say the con like Fox News are communists. That's why back when Obama was in, I just thought of him as a guy doing the best he could, you know, because they're calling him a communist and a Muslim. So 
you know, what do you want? What, what's the president supposed to do? Like, watching that game switch to the other side is so... Uh, <laughs> it makes you open to the idea of anything. Like, this, yeah, like, it, like, none of that is hard to believe now about the NSA or the or what that act really is because people can see it now. They're getting, like, upset by it, which I think is kind of good because traditionally the Republicans were the 24's great crowd. Do they play that in UK, 24? Yo, yeah, for sure. We get all of your crap just beamed in constantly. Yeah. And that with Netflix and things that, yeah, you can find anything. Hey, let's talk about our new sponsor, MyPod.com. I don't know if you use vape, uh, the nicotine, rather than smoke it. Certainly smells better than if you smoke it. I can tell you that. But if you're over the age of 21, and you do, why don't you check out MyPod.com? They got great pull, which is very important. If you do vape, you know that. That's the reason people stay with cigarettes because they want those throat hits. That's how I've heard it been put. They got great flavors, and the devices have a nice feel to them, I must say. Uh, uh, the comfort of sucking a nicotine thumb is how I would describe it. It's a lot of a world fixation to me. And over the years, I've just been putting longer and fatter and rounder objects into my mouth it's nice to have a smaller one once in a while that's all i'm trying to say so for all you vapors out there i want to tell you about the products at mypod.com because if you do use vapes you're gonna love them the new mypod 2.0 is the best refillable vape on the market today vapors can refill with any vape juice flavor they prefer i mean pretty much any of them do that but the design is like you're smoking out of a little ipod MyPod has a wide variety of disposable vapes available on mymypod.com, my, including top-selling brands like Vaporlax, Draco, Hyde, and Airbar. I think fans of disposables will be particularly into the new Draco disposable vape, which lasts for 6,500 puffs. Really? 6,500 puffs? All right. Uh, for those of you that like flavors, MyPod, which like, what do, you, what do you mean, those of you like flavors? That's why I, I get like a pineapple flavor, okay? Those aren't for children, those flavors. I know they say they're for children. They're for me. I like a nice fruity breakfast cereal flavor. Lastly, MyPod has fast shipping with most orders shipping out the same day. So if you vape or used to smoke and vape, you'll love MyPod. And please support the sponsor that supports our show by going to MyPod, M-I-P-O-D dot com. And use promo code Kurt, that's my name, K-U-R-T, and get 20% off. Once again, that's mypod.com, promo code Kurt, and get 20% off. Now let's get back to the show. Well, yeah, and uh, the <laughs> when I, I remember uh, Dean, you know his comic, Dana Gould? He was, uh, he wrote for The Simpsons for a little while. When oh, still, okay. When it, when it was still good. And, and he, um, I saw him talk about him, Bill Maher, years ago. I don't even think it was on the HBO show. I think it was before the, but he was talking about, that torture thing of, of, you know, would you do this if a bomb, all these stupid hypothetical, they would say to justify a thing that's straight up illegal. And uh, he's like, listen, guys, if we need to torture someone, of course we're going to torture. <laughs> like, but these ghouls want to make it a law that it's okay to torture, which I was like, a exact, like, what do you think? The United States isn't, wasn't going to torture until they made it legal. The reason it's illegal is to hopefully minimize the amount of torture they're definitely going to do. And, and, I think a bunch of people are like, yeah, no, it's good. They should. They should do that. Yeah, man, exactly. It's like uh, when you look at 
the sort of you know crap that comes out about you know Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib inmates. Most of these people are like fourteen-year-olds who were in the wrong place at the wrong time, or somebody who had the the same name as like a, a wanted guy. And because the U.S. Uh, government or the military doesn't want to accept that they you know did something wrong, they just kind of have to keep these people in these uh, camps pretty much indefinitely. And so, yeah. the, you know, when you actually look down on it, it's really unclear whether torture even helps any of these things. And, you know, frankly, the U.S. should have better intelligence anyway than to, you know, rely on some guy they picked up that probably doesn't know anything and will probably say anything to get, you know, just out of the situation or, you know, denounce anyone or say yeah, he was right. It's just, you know, once you've got that signed thing saying that I was a terrorist, pretty much, you know, you can throw the rule book out. Yeah, I... Uh... Are, are, I mean, I know at the time I didn't think about, I was in New York when that happened. I was supposed to start a new job where I would, uh, you know, I was doing stand up and uh, a lot of comics would work in these like stand in the street bothering people to try to get sell them like spa treatments or comedy tickets to clubs like that's a, that was a common and I'm not good at that. I, I shouldn't. I, I just needed money and I, I was about to go in to start this job uh, standing outside of uh, like around Columbia isn't that you're supposed to go like, Hey, pretty girl, do you want to spot you? And you're supposed to like basically just harass people. That's a sales technique. And uh, so I wake up and then uh, one of them had already been hit the towers. So we lived in uh, Greenpoint across the uh, Hudson. Like you, so you can stay on the roof and see, Oh, you can see it, it right? Okay. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And then so we went up to look, and then all of a sudden, the other one hit. It's, I, th I have a photo from back then, too. I got it. My, my ex-girlfriend sent it to me. I got to dig it out because it's really wild to think about. Like, I'm standing right by it. Um, and the the way things were after that was, well, one, it smelled like bodies, which I didn't know that's what, like, bot, burned bodies smell like, but that's what it, that smelled. There was, like, a burned body smell in the city for, like, three months. Wow. And it was very... Um, I mean, it was crazy. Like, I, I remember uh, the only time I didn't, like, right after it happened, I didn't feel like doing comedy because I'm like, oh, this is like a weird time. But, and then we had a blackout not long after. There was a blackout, and New York's notorious for bad things happening. But during the blackout, every, it was in the summer, everybody just kind of, like, hung out and partied peacefully because it was so traumatic, the thing, that all, none of the bullshit you would hear about normally <laughs> happened at this blackout. It was actually like great. It was like a great time. It was probably the best time I ever had with this, the blackout that happened after that in New York. Um, and I didn't have, like I tried, because by the way, I was raised not to be into war or anything. We drove witnesses, couldn't vote, we'd get involved. That's we, They thought it was 100% against God to be nationalistic or patriotic because God doesn't, you know, like any country. Like he likes America, but he doesn't like America. He's going to destroy all of it. That's I was raised with that. So, I didn't have, but I felt like a thing of like, well, we got all this stuff to blow stuff up. Like somebody should blow up for this, you know? Everybody had like a feeling like that. And even up to going into Iraq, the logic made sense to me, I guess. I don't know, looking back now, I had a buddy Lee Camp that, I think he's on RT now. To his credit, he's pretty pretty consistent with his shit the whole time, that this was a mistake. And looking back now, he was right. But I remember I was like, ah, that's some, you know, America's not the worst out of all of them and like they don't get to come do and we should you know all kinds of those like i don't know i would call them ape-like feelings we all felt and i still remember do you want to show i used to do the they called the chitlin circus all like black shows because you can make better money on the weekends doing these shows than you could in like the whiter rooms and 
I was doing a show with uh, in Pennsylvania, and uh, so it was an all-black show. All, There's like a few white people here and there, and one Iraqi guy that worked in the back. I don't know if he was like a, bar, a bartender or he was like a server in the green room. And I still remember this because he was talking about how crazy it was they were going into Iraq. He goes, no, they cannot do this because it is... And I remember like... By the way, all this is most of the black people were like, oh no, we're going to blow that. It was like a united racial thing about we're going to go blow up Iraq and it's coming. It wasn't like <laughs> white versus black. And I just remember this lone Iraqi guy trying to convince. And in my head, I'm thinking like, let's say he convinces all of them. What good's that going to do? I mean, why even bother yeah. saying anything, dude? And I think like that must have been such a bad idea that this guy, there was nothing he could do but tell a bunch of like black people who don't give a shit about it in the back of a club. Because he's got to tell, like that haunts me to think about it, how upset this yeah. guy was. And everybody I know from Iraq, they, who's not Muslim, by the way, that's a Syrian, like Chaldean Christians, the supposedly Christian force that we sent in there, destroyed the lives of any Christian who's from Iraq. Um, nobody wanted it. And and for and, and I didn't even think about it until, uh, I don't know, we're going like five, around the time Trump got in. I just remember... I forgot if we were still there and I had to Google it. I was like, are we still in Iraq? And I had to Google it. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like it, it I was like, how did I just forget if we had a war? Like, so then that's when it dawned on me, something's wrong with how all the media is. Cause everything was about, I don't know, coming after comedians, I guess, which seemed odd to me. Um, do you notice, uh, this stuff now, like with, uh, Joe Rogan and now Dave Chappelle, did you see that? that they're trying to say Dave Chappelle stopped affordable housing in uh his hometown <laughs> what in ohio yeah what's that's he doing? A, well it turns out the term affordable housing is uh some bullshit to get a tax write off it's some tacky developer wants to build you know massive unaffordable housing on like 56 acres of land and then they've set aside 1.7 acres or something t for a future there's no plans to make the affordable housing but they're like yeah we'll put this in down the road we'll figure it out later so the whole media reports that is he's against affordable housing. What's the difference between that and marketing? That's what I asked John Kierkegaard, because the thing of just placing a soldier on Ellen, that just sounds like marketing. Do you know what I mean? But marketing, I guess, is just propaganda. Like, <laughs> what's well, the difference? I, mean, I guess, you know, if you're doing all of this, trying to, like, get into people's brains, if you're like Tropicana or Minute Maid to try and sell them OJ, you know, it's, it can be, you know, there are downsides to it, but, you know, it's not life or death. But right. when you're talking about the military, we're literally talking about wars right now. Suddenly the media wants us to have World War Three with Russia. You know, these are really, these are literally life and death issues. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, you weren't even thinking about Iraq, but people in the Middle East, like I've been to the Middle East and I've seen the devastation. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. living in refugee camps, you know. Like they know what it's like, and you know, ultimately, even if you're kind of insulated from it, uh, when we're talking about the military, this is really a serious problem because this is talking about the sovereignty of countries. This is talking about the fundamental way in which our societies are run. Mm -hmm. What sort of super important decisions there are. So while it is marketing from a military point of view, uh, you know, it's it's a life and death issue. I know that's the creepiest part of it. That you ever see the Raytheon ads for now? They're helping young girls for tech something of the future. Oh, tech. sure, yeah, they they uh, sponsor Girl Scouts of America, don't they? You know, they've yeah. got um, they've got all these workshops about you know getting women into tech, and you have all at uh, all of these uh, you know Forbes top one hundred uh, 
businesses for women. It's incredible how the military industrial complex is totally woke in that sense that they will absolutely love to have 50% women and give them, you know, uh, maternity leave or something. But it's all in the pursuit of like making weapons to like blow, you know, Yemeni kids on a school bus to complete smithereens. And so there's just this complete, um, you know, disjuncture here. Do you remember the one about the, the woke CIA ads, you know? Yeah, um, right. The Latina I actually, acts of color. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think I was the one that found them and popularized them. I found them. Oh, is that I was right? CIA, yeah, I was on the CIA website and um, I was looking up some stuff. I can't remember what it was. And they had this ad at the bottom and I played it and it was an unlisted uh, YouTube playlist from the CIA, which you couldn't get access to until, unless you clicked the link from the CIA website. And I kind of made a collage of them. And I was like, and I shared it thinking, isn't this crazy that one of the worst, most violent civilized, uh, one of those violent organizations in the world that's responsible for coups and wars and everything is using this progressive language and pretending mm -hmm. to be like on the side of feminism. But um, actually people like Donald Trump Jr. were retweeting me and they kind of understood the message to be actually the CIA are radical uh, Antifa Marxists and want to destroy the family unit and all of that. Yeah, so it's right. a really, so it kind of like people are attacking it from different sides and seeing like hypocrisies yeah, right. in different ways. And it's, uh, yeah, pretty interesting to see that play out in real time. Well, the, yeah, because the, I, I, I don't know. I have a bunch of friends that just make things criticized and stupid, um, like Disney Star Wars and shit. Yeah. The weird propaganda things. It, okay, do you, do you remember this when they were dropping? Marvel Comics was working with like Obama to make a Spider-Man who was Arab to drop on as like, I guess, propaganda I can't remember if it was Afghanistan. Oh, I don't remember that. No. Yeah, and um, I was like, uh, and and that's not. I'm I'm sure that's what they did back with like Captain America and shit back in the day. You know, like like you know he was punching out Hitler in the comics and like so that's not unusual. But the thing is bizarre is, um, then Marvel Comics got uh, this chick Sama Sana Aminat became the uh, just installed as the chief diversity officer at Marvel Comics. And her family's connected to uh, Huma Abedin, the uh, Mark Wiener's wife that was Hillary Clinton's assistant. So it's like some DNC thing where they installed this person. And um, the <laughs> her brother's some like money man in Hollywood that was a, a scam artist. They're like a well-connected, I think, Pakistani family here politically. So Disney put her, because Disney owns all the, all the imaginations and stuff now. So they installed this thing in. And so then... The reason I made friends with this guy is I, I, I used to want to be a comic book artist when I was like young. I went to art school and all that, and I don't read any of that shit now, but I was bored watching YouTube, and, he was, and this guy would review their new comics. They're so insane that they look like the way I describe it is uh, uh, if I was like, I don't know, an Afghan tribesmen that found a copy of Sp uh, Afghan Spider-Man and I'm like why would you think this would appeal to me and what is this like I mean I know I'm a Afghan tribesman but I could see when some person who doesn't speak my language made a clumsy attempt to make me feel a certain way like <laughs> uh that's what but that's that's for Americans they start making you know I I don't even I hate the word woke it's so stupid but that's what they did they started installing this bizarre shit into all the comics and with like a purpose of all your like icons that you're into need to be reworked to a certain thing. Now, a, a while for a, back in the day when I was getting attacked nonstop as a low level comedian, 
I assumed it was the left. It was just leftist horseshit coming at me all the time. Uh, my friend Barry Crimmins, who's like a great guy, who was like very leftist. He he's got a documentary called uh, "Call Me Lucky." He actually went to Nicaragua with, during the Iran Contra thing, and and like he was a very leftist guy. I love that guy. He was a funny comic. He wasn't authoritarian nonsense. I didn't even know that was a thing, honestly, before I met him. You know, and uh, now it seems to me like the the create like I, I, a lot of people are starting to notice. Even people that are friends of mine that are like conservative who hate anything left, whatever, they, they are noticing the corporate, there's, a, there's something crazy going on where it's beyond th that little puppet show. Now it's, it's completely top bottom and they're catching on to it. Like with war, like 20 years, we just had this fire festival of a, <laughs> of, a, of a war, you know, where all the reports, oh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna, fire, it's gonna be great and it's a fucking disaster. And uh, it's amazing now to watch these people try to push that again on the same people that had to go fight this stupid war. The last, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, we all know people, vets, and, and their varying degrees of how fucked up they are <laughs> from, like, the nightmares they, they had to watch. And the only thing I, I don't understand is, like, is this just purely media-based? Like, there's not a Vietnam. You know Vietnam? There was, like, the movie. They always talk about that, the cinema, like, was that 70s kind of pessimistic about shit? And... I noticed that never happened during the Iraq war. Like that everything sure. reflected, no, they're heroes the whole time. And like, what do you not like the military? Whatever the thing is, if you say something about Israel, what do you not like Jews? That was for all these wars is what do you not support the military? And now it's, what do you, you don't like the new star? What are you a Nazi? Cause you don't like this fucking <laughs> corporate horse shit that we just made. And it, I think it's been overused. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Do you do you get a sense that like there, a bunch of people are kind of waking up to it, or or do you think it's like it'll? Uh, you know, the interesting thing about all of this from afar is that absolutely nobody has been asking for it. You know, uh, something like you know tens of millions of Americans marched against police brutality, uh, police brutality in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, talking about how we have to, you know, do this, do that, retraining the police, defund it. What do we want? Well, we'll work it out. But then corporate America came back and said, right, we're going to um, we're going to like stop putting Aunt Jemima on like pancake syrup. And the mayor of New and the mayor of Washington was like, we're going to, you know, spend $50 on yellow paint and write Black Lives Matter on the street. All the while, we're going to increase the police budgets and, you know, do all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ultimately, this sort of corporate sensitivity training and stuff, I'm reminded of what Malcolm X said, I'll paraphrase him, he said something like, you know, the elites will, uh, you know, placate us with these completely symbolic gestures mm -hmm. while continuing to hold all the levers of power, because ultimately, like, you know, it's kind of the, the fundamental bankruptcy of modern liberalism when they say something, when, you know, you tell them that eight people in the world have as much wealth as the bottom 50% combined. And they say eight men have it. That's terrible. It should be four men and four women. And that's yeah. The, no, I, and it's like a, no. The problem is the massive inequality in the first place. Is that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably sure. It probably would be better if four women had as much wealth. But I think that's that, such yeah. a sideshow that you know. Well, everybody is like pro. I mean, it's like emotional programming to me. Like that. That thing just sounds a funny way to put it because. I always, when I notice this nonsense about rep in movies, like representation, like that, the girl, the guy looks like, like I'm a kid in underoos and I'm so, he looks like me. So that's me doing, I don't enjoy a story that way. 
where I go, I watched three white people today and I watched two black people. People want to see a, a story, but I think that's part of the, and I don't understand, I don't know that there's any overall thing, but the, the marketing is to get you to say, oh, this reflects me, this person, you know? And then, then it's like, it's good for you. Like, oh, this person who's, by the way, doesn't resemble me. We have some arbitrary skin pigment thing that <laughs> loosely relates they're doing great, so I'm doing great. And then that way, we it's like this overall thing to sell everybody on. Only a few people are going to be okay, like living right. But you can take solace in knowing that. It just like, I don't know how people glom onto that so easily other than, because I have a steady diet of that crap, you know, in me from, of and I, you know, and I, it's not, I, I still didn't get it. And I think, I think they overestimate how stupid people are quite a, quite a lot. You know, when you were talking about uh, making Spider-Man for Afghans, I, I was reminded of when I was talking with a State Department employee who spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. Mm. And he was talking about how uh, they were talking uh, to these Afghans in like a tiny village. And they were talking about 9-11 and the Afghans were like, what is that? And they were showing them on their phones pictures of uh, the Twin Towers coming down. And the Afghans were like, well, what is that? We don't know where it is. Where is this? And they're like, it's in New York. And they're like, I don't know where New York is, man. Like, they have so little concept of, like, why this war right. is going on. And yet their lives are completely dominated by it in such yeah. a, yeah, just an incredible way. That, well, they're uh, the stone. Remember, they're like, we're going to bomb them back to the Stone Age. And, like, they're already in the Stone Age. So we're going to go. and uh, That casual thing um, of, it's really something to me when I think about it now, which is, um, because, by the way, I can't stand any term with the word phobia in it. A phobia is a mental disorder, which is an illness, you know? So that's, like, it's weird that that can be used as a cheap insult or something now. But there's definitely a massive ignorance of, uh, like, when people talk about Islam and, like, you know, smear Obama that he's a Muslim. And that implies, when I heard that, I'd be like, President Droney is a Muslim to you. The guy that, <laughs> how many yeah. does he need to kill for you to feel like he he's not a good Muslim? Um and because I never, you know, like I said, I grew up in that kind of doomsday cult where we were the only real Christians. It says there's only going to be this many who do it right and everybody else is fake. So the idea that you're, you're you know, the, this religion is connected to our government in any way or, or blessed was, was stupid to me, you know. And uh, but not to a lot of people. They really, really believe that stuff. And uh, and I had an idea. This is the thing I definitely thought was, OK, it's like a. I didn't think they hate us for our freedoms, but the clash of, you know, East and West culture and all that shit. And that's where you get a lot of people. That's where, I, like, the, when Gavin made the Proud Boys as a, at first, a joke organization that just got a life of its own. They, it wasn't anything about white supremacy, but it was Western chauvinism. That was the term they would use, which is like Western culture is the, you know, we're in a culture war <laughs> with the world and Western culture has is the better one. And I always thought it was, I would be like, you know, like all the things you hate are coming out of Western culture. They're not coming at, like if you're a Christian, <laughs> yeah. you, you're, you're doing, they believe the same thing as you pretty much with different names. Like that's not an alien culture. Like it, that, that's your own shit. The, the Abraham books, you know, and it's just weird disconnect. And even now there's a thing about, well, I guess now both parties really say foreigners are trying to f change our, our minds, but. <laughs> even now like 
appears like the call is coming from inside the house. That that saying is is if you don't like the propaganda or whatever thing, it's coming from us, from the superior Western culture. So how fucking superior could it be? Uh, uh, do you think? Uh, how much of it do you? Because are you were you pretty left, right? Like what or what's your? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't love you know labels, but if people were going to call me like socialist or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, because people, people like, oh, I can't listen. I have no connections to. I'm, I'm like non-binary, <laughs> so I don't want to hear that I'm not supposed to hear from somebody because, because of the, you know, the the box that that's what those are for. So that somebody can be like, I've already dismissed you. Yeah, exactly. They pigeonhole you, and uh, you don't really want to be a pigeon. So don't let yourself be pigeonholed i always say so i kind of try and talk in language that's less uh i don't know ideological or i don't try not to use too much jargon uh, yeah well it's the same I as know. i don't even know what chauvinism technically means but i feel like it's that <laughs> like uh i talking in ideological language and uh, we use a framework of a something here and then uh, do you uh like oh, yemen's a good example what what exactly is going on with with Yemen is as you know it, and then what would you say people? Because I think most people don't really know that much about it, and if they do, they're like, I don't know. I, I bet they don't. It's not even a counter narrative because you never hear it brought up by anybody. But what is going on in Yemen? Just so people. Well, you're totally right that you know there's no there's a reason why people don't know it, and that's because nobody in the media is talking about it. I mean, MSNBC went on uh, a whole year without even mentioning it on their network. Um, what's going on there is since 2014, kind of coming out of the Arab Spring, there's been a revolution that overthrew the Yemeni government who was backed by Saudi Arabia. And since then, the Saudi-led coalition has been fighting this uh, brutal war against these uh, Houthi militias. Mm -hmm. And uh, something like 200,000 people have been killed in this. The United Nations calls it the world's worst humanitarian disaster. Around 20 million people, according to the UN, uh, lack uh, either potable water or uh, enough food or basic uh, medicine. So uh, there are all sorts of uh, terrible pandemics with things like cholera and, you know, people dying of these 18th, 19th century diseases going on. And although it's called a civil war, it's really kind of this proxy war between all these sorts of different groups in the region, primarily Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Qatar, who are you know, just bombing the country into smithereens. And the only reason they're able to do that is that Western governments are selling them weapons all the time. So like, you know, I did a study of um, the US, for instance, and found that it had sold since the beginning of the war, an absolute minimum of $28.3 billion worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. And that could be uh, the highest number would probably be around uh, twice that. So it's an absolutely enormous figure that uh, that the U.S. is actually profiting from it. And if you take the amount of Yemenis who've died, it means that pretty much $50,000 has been made per death uh, from companies like Boeing or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. So wow. this, is really, this is really the worst thing that's going on in the world right now currently in terms of yeah. fighting. And uh, Western countries like the U.K. and uh, United States are absolutely knee-deep in this. But because body bags aren't coming home and because we're not seeing <clears throat> buildings being exploded nightly on our news, uh, we just kind of forget about it. We don't know what's going on. It's amazing to me. It's like, it's like a feeling of leaving the, uh, the stove on and forgetting about it. 
like did i leave like that's what that's what i had when i had to google iraq is like yeah. did i leave something on and like now it's not you know i it's so crazy to me now that something that big because that I, I didn't know that that's like a UN declaration. That's like the worst. <laughs> I don't know. They have like the list of the worst thing happening right now. But I mean, I can remember when Rwanda happened and we all heard about that. You know, is it uh, coincidentally? Do you know about Rwanda? Like any like details? I, I vaguely remember hearing something years later, but I don't know how true it is. But, you know, I guess that the Hutu and Tutsi thing started the violence because uh, the president got blown up by like an RPG in his plane or something, right? Like they thought the Tutsis did it. And for years it was like, they didn't do it. It was a, probably, they faked it. But then it, it turns out that got, they did do it, the Tutsis. And Clinton kind of implied they should like go for it and we'd back them up or something. Is that remotely true? Um, until you said Clinton backed them up, I was like, yeah, this all sounds correct. I can't remember, especially uh, about you know, what Clinton's role was in it. But I do know the administration was constantly blocking the United Nations from uh, really getting involved and sending peacekeepers there for ages and ages. And mm. so there was this talk about, you know, something needs to be done. But in fact, uh, the Clinton administration was actually stopping um, uh, troops being sent in. I think it was a Canadian general who was like begging the UN for permission yeah. to actually like move out. Um, but yeah, uh, Washington just kept blocking it. But yeah, ultimately, that was a kind of uh, a bloodbath where the US more or less had one uh, group in mind, but they weren't really like super into it. Whereas, you know, with Yemen, they're absolutely on one belligerent side. And so, you know, when hundreds of thousands of people die, they really don't want their citizens knowing about it. Why do they care so much of Yemen? Uh, I mean, what what is in Yemen that where this is the interest of three different Arab countries? Yeah. Where... I mean, in terms of actual resources, Yemen's pretty resource poor. It doesn't have a, a great deal of oil in comparison to the rest of the Middle East. But um, the group that uh, is uh, leading the, the rebellion, the Houthis, uh, they're very close to Iran, or at least they, they share the same religion, the Shia uh, religion, not the Sunni uh, sect of Islam. If you have a look on a map, Yemen is very strategically located. It's on the Red Sea. Okay. If you remember, just have a look on the map, and just above the Red Sea is the Suez Canal. I'm sure everybody remembers last year when one ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah. International business just freaked out and the entire economy blew up. And so every, pretty much every ship that goes yeah. from Asia to Europe or vice versa has to go past Yemen. And so in that sense, uh, it is very strategically located in the sense that, you know, if uh, a government came by and wanted to stop uh, world trade, they could do it, you know, like that. Mm. Do you think like just to be a leader of a country, there's like a built in, there's like a built in like kind of psychopath aspect where you have to reduce a bunch of people to numbers all the time. And, and oh, be yeah. like, yeah, so a bunch of people and like you, maybe you're not even like that, but, but if it, <laughs> if you're in that position where you're like, well, I got, you know, like, oh my God. yeah, like, like a president could become the same as a soldier. I think of, of like, well, I'm a killer now and I have to do this. Like, I, I don't even know how you would have, you know, and like it's, I was raised to believe it's impossible. Not that I think necessarily it is now, but how do you even have leaders that don't? Because <laughs> my, my, the thing I find unifying about all these, every goddamn political system or ideology is they all basically have their, their base principle is, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. 
and then it's how many and which eggs do you break and that's it and there's never a thing of like maybe we you know there's not an omelet coming <laughs> that's never acknowledged uh uh and and people just like i've heard it just repeated in different ways over and over again i think that's how people feel about whatever they're doing now that they don't even know the half of they're like well we gotta have peace in the world and make you know make the world safe for democracy yeah, I mean, there's this concept in business called the Peter Principle, where everybody rises to the level of their incompetence. So, you know, you do a good job at one level, you get promoted, and you get right. to a system where you just become incompetent, and then it's like you're not getting promoted after that. Um, there's a great uh, State Department employee who ended up being a big critic of the US called William Bloom, and he wrote a book where he talked about this kind oh, of right. Peter Principle in the CIA, where like, you can get an entry level job and be like a nice person. But the minute they start talking about like, you know, doing these things, if you start raising questions like, is this really ethical? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you know, uh, why don't you go in that room over there? And it's like, when promotion comes up, there's no chance you're getting, you know, promoted. And yeah. so if you want to move up in politics or in these uh, organizations or the military, like you have to be willing to sign on the thing and like order the coup, order, you know, the bombings, etc. Mm -hmm. And the people who are most sadistic and sociopathic they're the ones who rise to the top baby and they're the ones who are like you know totally willing to just press one button and like you know end a country completely and that's yeah. really what's going on in this you know if you talk to people who are ex-military a lot of them would agree as well that the most savage people are not the privates who you know mm -hmm. maybe do terrible things uh to civilians it's the ones at the top who are just ordering bombings that they know will cause thousands of people dying that's, yeah, you know, right. that's the real, uh, you know, that's the real thing about our system where we've kind of designed, uh, you know, a way of letting the most violent and sadistic people rise to the top. And that's uh, a real problem. I mean, how do you even, uh, that's the other thing is, I don't know. That's why I don't, I, I, you know, I don't have an ideology where I'm like, I just want to know what you do. I don't want to hear any, I don't want to hear more fucking messaging. I just want to know the actual things people fucking did. <laughs> and then, and I've already have a proven track record of excusing all kinds of terrible things that like we were doing. So it ain't like I'm going to be, but they, they, you're not even going to have the right to even think about it. It's like, this is too important. That is this theme of like, it's like, this is too important for you to know anything about it. You're an idiot. Don't do your own research. That's one of the things. That's what a stupid person would do. This is, by the way, in, in L.A. where I am, that's a common, uh, and it's always like a comics that have um, TV deals or something that that they all have the thing of like, don't even, I don't even think about it. Just do the thing they said. Like, <laughs> like that thing you described about the military is also at NBC. <laughs> like, Oh, most definitely. It's the same in media as well. Like if you start, you know, working in a way which doesn't please your editor you know if you want to get involved in journalism you've got to work a lot of you know months at least you know uh maybe working for free in london or washington or new york and already that's pretty much you know knocked out 90 percent of the population who can't afford to do that and yeah. then even then you're working on like a, a zero hours contract you don't have any sort of like benefits or anything you can be fired immediately so you're not rocking the boat so when your editor says you know write something mm -hmm. like this you're going to do it you're not going to raise questions 
Uh, and you know, ultimately, you're not going to get your contract renewed if you start, you know, putting in work that uh, your supervisors and superiors don't like, and certainly not if the bosses' bosses don't like. And so, we ultimately have created the system which you know, kind of selects for obedience and people who just basically don't think. So we've got all these totally mediocre people in journalism, and I'm sure maybe you'd disagree, but a lot of uh, people in like the the highest echelons of comedy and like, you know, on TV and such, you know, they seem not to have any sort of like real, you know, uh, independent ideas or like a real sort of like, uh, you know, something that's a bit different or avant-garde. It's just, you know, total boring bullshit that we've all seen for years. It's all every, uh, oh, my internet was unstable. It's all, uh, my well, a friend of mine said like it would, every, every gig's a corporate gig now. So when I started comedy and you do, here's why corp, they pay great, I did not do a lot of them, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not even particularly filthy. It's just like, like my thoughts are dirty or something. <laughs> like, it's not that it's not clean, but I'll be. So we're doing. Uh, I was with Attell, David Tell, and we're doing this uh, corporate. I can't remember where it was. It was, it was a mid-sized like theater, packed. We both go on, and like, there's like no laughs on almost anything, and and. You know, I I bombed a lot. I, I I assume they would at least like a tell because he was headlining. Can as you oh okay froze for a while. I, was saying. I assume they like a tell, but he also bombed. After the show, they're all coming up to us. These this corporate I don't know what it's different companies. So like oh my god, that was so funny. And I'm like, what do you <laughs> what? And like oh yeah, well I didn't want to laugh because my client's sitting next to me. Like they all had some foreign client they had sitting and they couldn't be seen to to laugh like they work for a shogun or something <laughs> like they're or they're like a <laughs> korean young korean girl and here no, cover your face and uh i couldn't believe like i'm like why would you have a comedy show then like inherently if you can't be seen laughing in front of someone this is a bad and then this foreign investor i don't know what the hell they must think where they're like what do you guys do here so you go to the show that you don't laugh at and bring me <laughs> and i'm deeply offended by the way the, <laughs> the whole thing uh uh Guys, I need to take a second to talk about our newest sponsor, Zipix. Nicotine toothpicks, dude. Are you not into vaping? Have you already moved? I've been through every phase of a brutal, brutal nicotine habit that will surely kill me at some point. But I'll tell you what will kill you a lot less is using nicotine toothpicks that I first became aware of uh, from Pete Holmes years ago. Was telling me he had new, and that, and you had to order them off goddamn amazon and uh now we got zipix which i'm pretty happy about i'm actually still waiting for my box of toothpicks so i can just i don't know not be puffing something out of me all the goddamn time i mean whatever i've done it i'm not judging you but i'm 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 ready to move to the phase of my life where i have to start calling weed cannabis and uh i have to use nicotine toothpicks and I can't wait for my Zipix. It comes in six awesome flavors. You can use Zipix anywhere. You are not allowed to vape or smoke. You can use it anywhere. Put it that way. There's no smell, no smoke, no hiding cigarette butts. It costs less than cigarettes. Go to Zipix Toothpicks. Z-I-P-P-I-X-T-O-O-T-H-P-I-C-K-S dot com. And use the promo code right 10 and get 10% off your order today. That's like amazing. And I watch that the whole time. I mean, I roll for a bunch of stuff, man. I will say Sasha's one of the funniest rooms to be in of being stupid, making up stupid shit to, to film. Um, and it, it was actually one of the least like corporate. That's because he had his two buddies from Oxford and then they, 
and then they hired me, which he didn't do a lot. And they, and uh, that's how they kept out the stuff. And this is 2016. I remember telling them, like, you know, you're not going to be allowed to just be the guy doing his thing here for long. Like, they're, and, and uh, they keep it out because it's their friends. It's almost like a band and not a corporate hiring environment. Because what you just said is right. It's not like stupid people, it's like mid, real mid level wits that people are smart enough to not ask annoying questions even if it's a vital question they keep it why, why to this day i still think about asking my my uh and he's a good guy too i like him other guys are, but dan the producer on on uh, when i was writing on amy schumer's show and it was rachel dolezal was in the news because she was transracial or whatever the fuck and they and he was like oh my god and, and i just asked not to be like wasn't like a guy like i genuinely was trying to understand i was like well just you could be transgender like why can't race because that's like probably less of a real biological thing than i mean if you stack them up and he just goes kurt that's that was the answer to my question kurt <laughs> i thought about it for years just i i thought about it for so many years like what the fuck that meant you know, like I always say, that was when my "what is the sound of one hand clapping" thing. That I'd be like, wh "Like what?" And it, all it meant was, "You, why would you even ask that?" You see how we all feel, and and then now I always hear like he made tone deaf. Remember Matt Damon got in trouble for his tone deaf Me Too remarks, which were there's a different. You know, I, I think it shouldn't just be one mob. Basically, everything he said was right, and they go his tone deaf, and they say it all the time now, and I, and. I don't even know if they think about what that fucking means. That's like, oh, we're all singing the same song. You, you, heard, you heard the song we're singing. Why are you singing your own song? And I don't yeah, even think people think about that at all. I don't think they, they focus in on the word choice. I think it, everything's colloquial. I mean, so me not, not believing in any of these parties that we have, that's nihilism. People call that nihilism. <laughs> like they because they're using the Lebowski definition of fucking j joke nihilism and I've never <laughs> like read anything about what it actually is so now the language means nothing uh uh it's pretty easy to to stretch these things around you know like they they just can't it just you will get it down to like five ways to say good or bad and and limit I don't know it sounds like 1984 shit did you did you, how did you become a journalist did you go were you, did you go to like a good school for you know like or or how are you at mint press and not at um is that are you not from the right sort of family or something <laughs> no i totally backed into it uh in a completely different way uh i came from academia i did a, a phd about um the media and, and propaganda essentially and um i wrote a couple of books afterwards i was kind of thinking about maybe trying to be a journalism studies or sociology like lecturer or something. But um, I immediately realized that the academic publishers were just completely uninterested in promoting the books. So I thought I had to do it myself. So I, I wrote a couple of articles which were basically, uh, you know, plugs for the book and sent them to a couple of uh, outlets that I thought might be interested. And then, uh, yeah, they did publish it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got like a check for like $500 in the mail, which I was not expecting. Mm. I thought I was doing this for free. And so I thought, well, hey, why don't I take a chapter out of this book and, you know, send it to them. And then What's they the said, book? yeah, we'll do it. Um, that was Propaganda in the Information Age, Still Manufacturing Consent. Uh, it's basically about uh, people know Noam Chomsky. He, he, wrote, he did a documentary mm -hmm. and wrote a book. 
called uh, Manufacturing Consent. Yeah, I was right. kind of like updating it for uh, the social media era. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so like after, <laughs> you know, after doing like three um, articles for this website and they were paying me, I thought, well, you know, I'm actually getting more money from this than I would from, you know, academic publishing because that's a complete scam, yeah. you know. These guys are just like totally like uh, ripping people off and making huge corporate um, fees on it. Consulting, so, yeah. Right? I kind of exactly, and I've just kind of backed into journalism like that from there. Mint Press contacted me, asked if I wanted to write a couple of articles for them, and now, you know, I'm full time in it. So it's uh, completely different to a lot of people who are like they've really got their heart set on doing it, and they go to Columbia School of Journalism, and they, yeah, right. you know, do like a, a, you know, like an internship at wherever, etc. I was completely the opposite. I've never looked for a career in this. So, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm completely different. I come from a much sort of different class background than most journalists as well. So, right. yeah. When when did so, they start yeah. shifting where it was a definite, where I kind of vaguely have an idea of when, but I'm not really sure of like, oh no, we're not objective and we shouldn't be. That's, that's a myth that you could even attempt to try to <laughs> be objective. And then I thought there was a term I want to say it's narrative driven journalism, but I'm not sure that that's what it is, but there's some kind of term for how, how, uh, they do journalism here. Now, I think it's all ends up just being P- PR is what it looks like to me. But back when, so back when I was having, uh, these, like, there was nothing called cancel culture. Then it was just called call out culture. <laughs> and it was all, it was all like, you could tell there was a fresh graduating class of something that was entering into the blogging world. And it was like a full court press on comedians all the time for some reason. It was bizarre. It was like, what is this? And the people were saying this nonsense. And then here's how it's different from a cult because everybody calls, you know, says this stuff's a cult. I was in a cult and we were glad to tell you what we thought. And we didn't go, I don't have time to educate you. (laughs) You should have already known that. Like you should have shown up knowing these things that I went 80 grand in debt to learn. (laughs) and and it was such a bizarre thing you know and it it seemed to radiate out of like you know i don't kind of like portland and uh right time portlandia came on (laughs) when before they had to airlift uh fred and carrie out like the fall of saigon when (laughs) at the end of the series they were like they're, they're like they're not welcome here that was like the all the media things and um when it first happened, these were like stupid, like bloggy, and it wasn't news. It was just like gossipy nonsense that was like had a political theme. You know, like how Teen Vogue is like a, did you know Teen Vogue is a, a Marxist girl? Yeah, man. <laughs> Teen Vogue? <laughs> they kind of like, uh, just like um, hired some editor, the wrong editor, I guess. And they, the editor took it in a completely crazy direction that's everywhere to be fair though that's probably a much more interesting magazine than it was uh the last 20 30 years now yeah well i mean could be because i i wouldn't even bring up teen vogue ever in a conversation before that yeah so it's got to be bullshit about you know how to style your hair or whatever yeah it would be suspicious um, like what do you why do you read teen vogue i I know reason (laughs) (laughs) it's incriminating I'm telling you, man, that is sus if you're picking up Teen Vogue uh, as yeah, like right. a, a man of a certain <laughs> age. You're like, what the hell's going on here? Do you think there's a thing to, um, you know, I, everything I watch now has always those, da- I've heard it, you've heard it, I mean, everybody's heard of them for years, those Davos meetings in Switzerland, you know, where all the, <laughs> all the rich people, 
but because I watch so much left versus right stuff and also unrelated things, and a lot of my friends don't. You know, like my friends that are into just pop culture shit, that's what they're into. And Jimmy is into politics kind of stuff, and he doesn't know about any of this. You know, like if there's like like even Kyle Rittenhouse, which was like a big thing, he he didn't know anything about that. Like, what I love about Jimmy is he just is like, he looks at the thing, and then if if he thinks he's wrong, he'll <laughs> change on it. He doesn't do the team player thing because I when when I that came out, I have a whole bit about doing my act because it was the most insane like racially charged all white incident that's ever happened that I've ever seen. And uh, this is a true story. My, my, I had an ex-girlfriend I talked to and she was like, she's like a definite, like she must be like a CNN style, like blue, no matter who, whatever, more than when I knew her even. And um, she was like, yeah, he's going to prison for, for that was murder. And I go, and, and I had watched, I don't give a shit about any of the people in it, what they're, personal feelings i just watched the footage there's all this footage of every part of the night and if you know anything about just the smallest bit about how the law works with self-defense it it satisfied every fucking thing of self-defense so i knew he was going to get acquitted like it was seemed bizarre to me and i go look just watch i, I i'm not i I've, <laughs> i have any political feelings about this just watch the footage and you see she goes i don't need to see the footage where i was like wow like i've never heard someone say that like i I, and she's not the only one saying that. And a bunch of people that would talk about it, if you ask if they watch it, they would go, I, I, I watched the trial, which means they didn't watch the trial. They saw clips of the trial, you know. And, and that's a weird thing to me. There's like now drive where you're like, I better not, like who printed, was it uh, Max Blumenthal? Something with Hunter Biden, they put this maybe hacked materials on Yeah, Twitter. that's right, yeah. And, and I'm like, who would go, I'm not going to look at this uh, important person's thing because it might have been from hack materials and that's some kind of is that in the ten commandments or something where is that morals coming from <laughs> like it's not, yeah it, when it's a when it's a good thing they usually call it a leak but when it's a bad thing they call it a hack you know but the uh line oh yeah hack is uh pretty diaphanous it's pretty hard to tell uh which is which uh, yeah it's, i mean it's the lifeblood of journalism if you just say oh you can't have this because you know you know this company objects or whatever you know how are you ever going to find out about you know amazon doing shit to their you know employees and you know making them pee in bottles or whatever that all comes out because yeah. of leaked documents you know so it is kind of interesting when the state gets involved and is like this is hacked don't look at this that completely blew up in their face though because uh it turned into a huge meme and it was mm. the i think it's the number one uh most viewed um page on the gray zone since then yeah well i hope that because uh my friend Kyle Dunnigan, we do a bunch of uh, sketch stuff, and he does my only favorite, my old, the only Biden that anybody does that's good to me. Like I don't, I've never seen a good Biden on anything, and you're kind of not supposed to make fun of him. Like, uh, I don't know how people. I mean, he's really the like uh, comedically is like a blessing if you are doing impressions. Have you ever seen how SNL does Biden? No, oh my God, yeah, I have not tuned into SNL. Are we allow? We can't show how SNL does Biden, right, Mike? Or can I can I show him and then we just can't put it on the show YouTube? an image? Yeah, if you start playing it, then you get a strike. Can you show an image and play like how the impression sounds? Hey, the audio is fine. The video is what we got us in trouble. Oh, can we do that? And um, also, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll play the whole thing or whatever. And I'll put a still image over it. Or oh, great. Happens. Okay, okay. Because I want to show you what they do, and you tell me what what the fuck this is, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'm gonna get um. 
And then you know you know the one out here. Uh, I'm gonna send you right now, uh, uh, Mike. My the one me and Kyle did that got the warning. So I posted on my Twitter and got a sensitive. This may be sensitive content warning put on the tweet that I can appeal. And I, I don't know what the sensitive content is. Like the things that I would think I've seen tweeted many times. Uh, there's nothing I can tell that's sensitive about it other than it's Biden. And the weird thing is Kyle posted the same video and you can't see in the thumbnail that it's Biden and he didn't get a sensitive content. So it, there's something like strange, like it's just something strange going on. Um, all right, go ahead. Um, if you find that, put it up. Uh, I'm gonna put up the Biden thing right now. From President Joe Biden. As I keep saying every chance I get, we're in the middle of a cold, dark winter. Who, the, who is he doing? Dark Republicans don't think it should vote. <laughs> no, this virus has disrupted our lives. It's canceled holidays, weddings, quinceañeras, gender reveal parties, wildfires that started as gender reveal parties. Whatever the hell is happening with Novak Djokovic. <laughs> I know you're tired of getting emails from your kid's school late at night saying... I, do, you don't have to play the whole thing, Mike. It's like... so yeah, you really don't. <laughs> yeah, like... Um, it's, that's one of the better, better ones, by the way. Sometimes I watch stuff on SNL and think, who is this for? How is this so popular? Like, who's going through their life and thinking, yes, this is really resonating with me? It's crazy. Well, there must have been some kind of diktat that came down from on high somewhere because I don't know if you remember, but there was a point in the Democratic primaries where Biden was totally eating shit and it looked mm -hmm. like he was going to finish in about fifth and the knives came out for them. All the people were immediately in all the big publications. There was stuff like Joe Biden's not mentally fit enough to uh -huh. you know, be the Democratic candidate. He's clearly got some sort of, you know, degenerative stuff. There was all this speculation about it. You know, t people talking about him like, go home, grandpa, you need to, you know, go yeah. home, sort of thing. And then suddenly when he started winning and it was pretty clear that it was going to be him, uh, you know, in first place, that just stopped immediately. And since then, like, it seems that, you know, laughing about his mental state is off the uh, off limits. Now, for one, I think it's, you know, completely fine to say, like, you should laugh at a general old person for, you know, losing his mind. But right. there, is this, there is a point where, you know, somebody is in such a position of power where I think actually it does become fair game. And clearly, if you're the president of the United States, it is. But somehow that's, you know, something that was, that was completely fine two years ago is now completely uh, off limits. You can't talk about it. It's verboten. It's, it's interesting yeah. how that works. You, well, one, you're supposed to forget shit that happened like five minutes ago. I was thinking, I'm like, so we're all doing our duty to forget the thing that just you... You literally just said yesterday, so there's a definite demarcation where now you feel differently, and and that's what like uh, that emotional programming. I, that's why I think they they love like you know the peaceful but fiery BLM shit here because it's a controlled burn or even January sixth that they pretend there's get it's a it's the trucker thing is real. Those guys are not violent and they have power and they're and they're and that's a danger to the power structure. Like I, I was watching Chris Hedges say that about. It's not supposed to be cathartic. 
a, a, a protest. You're supposed to be getting something done, and then any kind of violence helps the power structure because now we're going to get a police state like you've never seen, which was obvious to me from the stupid fucking slogan of defund the police. Nobody I know that, other than certain show business people, no black people I know would made were saying that. They were like, maybe uh, reform the police, change, uh, demilitarize them, people said to me, or like make it accountable legally if they do something wrong. That's a quick fix. But there's none of that. This is uh, uh, just a insane thing that you would only say out of anger and then uh, pallets of free bricks across the <laughs> across the uh, United States. Complimentary protest pallets uh, of bricks were available. That couldn't be more obviously a thing to get people begging for more police once they've had a taste of like this dump. You know, then there's a mural on the ground that you're supposed to go, oh, something happened. And Juneteenth is a holiday now. Where the fuck did that come from? Listen, I hadn't even heard of Juneteenth until a couple of years ago. So again, I think uh, that's just another thing that's uh, come in. As you said, yeah. Chris, Hodges, he, he had that really interesting thing he said where, you know, you want to have a protest where the people in power are feeling really uncomfortable. He talks yep. about how Nixon has, uh, you know, lined up all these buses in 1970 outside the White House and there's this big protest. I can't remember. I think it was an anti-war protest. Mm -hmm. and he was like shit they're going to break through these buses and they're going to storm the white house and they're going to get us and he said that is exactly where you want people in power to feel like they you want them to feel yeah the people it's interesting though because um i used to live in france and while in the united states there's this really big thing about peaceful protests it seems that like every time i was there every few weeks when the government tried to take away you know like uh, i don't know the fire brigade's two-hour uh, lunch with lobster they would like go down and like burn down the presidential mm -hmm. palace or something. there's a real sort of sense in france going back to the french revolution in yeah, right. and uh the may 68 riots and all of this that like it's their civic duty to like you know punch a cop or like burn a government building down yeah right it's so different over there than it is in the u.s and that's that got to be a, like from french revolution i mean that's like a pedigree of like that kind of it is interesting a cultural thing like that like it's not like america doesn't have that nonstop too but the some of the things are so dumb on the face of it where i'm like somebody's like handing this down and then getting it hyped up after like a few years of social media to get make every so these are all working people in canada doing this the amount of smears about them it's really telling too you see the people that that guy ryan grimm unbelievable while they're interviewing somebody about the drug protest, and Ryan Grimm keeps trying to link it to Charlottesville the whole time, uh, which is like really conspicuous. Like it stands out while they're talking about it. And the, the other chick on the hill goes like, what does that have to do with <laughs> this at all? Well, nothing. The important thing is to make it, because they're not like, kill, you know, they're not violent. And it's and something happened where, and because I didn't study any of this stuff, so I thought like people who are ostensibly like Marxist or socialist were, pro-working working class i thought that was a thing i did not understand there was a whole new thought in we're gonna take that like uh uh the idea of working class because we hate them and we're gonna make it based on things where like i could be much richer than you but i'm the one who's oppressed because we've designated like that's what all the racial identity bullshit is it's like a, a thing to I, i've watched this over and over never experienced this i lived in a lot of like hoods the people that live there, I never heard any of this non. They don't know what any of these new nonsense words mean, you know? They don't... It's only people that I know 
grew up richer than me or went to a better school than I did that say this and they love it because it's a chance to be like I'm the good one by birth it's like another aristocracy thing and there's nothing about like you know they'll talk about like tax the rich or something but there's nothing where they're going to uh privilege be addressed so then the way that all trickles out is remember Kamala Harris running and all the shit she did to protect the slave labor market we <laughs> by not not releasing people that were ordered released from the federal because she said it would disrupt the prison labor the kind of articles that came out were like yeah she did those things but she had to do that as a woman of color to make it like you know how you describe the shitty situation of this like you gotta suck up and not well that's what she has to do as a woman of color so really we should just be rejoicing <laughs> that a woman of color has made it this far it was almost like the shit with Obama droning people, which I definitely thought. I was like, well, I mean, he's the first black president. He's got to drone some people. <laughs> like, was he going to not drone people? They're calling him a Muslim. He's got to drone somebody. And he's pro and they're very, you know, the, the idea of a surgical strike. I heard Bill Maher just say it the other night, like, we can put a missile through a window and not even. No, we can't. <laughs> They've just been saying that. People still think that we can have the. What surgery, by the way, have you gotten where they're like, we're going to set off a series of tiny explosions to open you up surgically. We're going to explode parts of you to fix you. That's not a thing. And I didn't know that. I thought that was a thing they had because I saw the green screen of the fucking <laughs> missile go down and then it turns black. I assume the missile hit its target with no problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We never see the, uh, the consequences of the, of the missiles, do we? We only see, when you think about war, you think about you know, a plane, maybe it's dropping the bomb out there. doesn't look like it's uh, laser guided or anything. But yeah, we never see the, the consequences of it. I was kind of naive enough to think that this kind of culture was going to die away when Joe Biden was, uh, was elected president. This sort of like Me Too era would probably go away. Now, mm. I think definitely we have to address like clearly like people for decades have been getting away with like sexual assault in yeah. the workplace. But um, I kind of naively thought that all the people who were talking about Bowie women, when uh, you know Biden has got like uh, you know, somebody who's accusing him of raping her in a public building, I kind of expected that they would at least um, address that. But instead, they so many people just started like deleting all those tweets, and media figures started attacking her. I'm talking about Tara Reid, of course, mm -hmm. and like listen there's obviously a lot of trump propaganda about biden but those videos of him like being exceptionally creepy with teenage girls like in public they're real i mean they're not doctored and at the same time the show just kind of goes on and you know we just kind of forget that and you know move on to the next thing we yeah. live in a yeah. we have 280 character world now where people don't remember things even from two years ago isn't that up from like 200 characters like, wasn't Twitter, what was Twitter originally? Yeah, Twitter was originally 140 characters, but... Yeah, we're up in characters. <laughs> they kind of, uh, now I think about it, you know, like, uh, just, you know, limiting the amount of uh, fun you can have with a, with something is actually a really good way of making it um, work. Everybody's playing Wordle now, which is, you know, this word game, but you can only play it once a day, and that's the big thing. And suddenly, yeah. you know, they, that guy managed to sell it to the New York Times for, like, um, well, I'm not sure exactly how much, but I think it was seven or eight billion uh, million it was reported. So interesting, guy, guy's done a fantastic job there. He set himself up for life. Well, that's um, that's the other thing. But if people, I don't know, like I've been playing these children's games since I was a child, and I didn't stop. Um, 
and so not a lot of people are actually probably a lot of people up i guess my age but if you don't follow anything with video games one the mobile market is it's the games they make now they and they they're proud of it they have all these like big like conventions where they say you find whales and charge them people just keep putting money in to this thing some of these games you don't even have to play them you just buy like the game as it's and then you can hit a fast forward and the game just plays itself <laughs> like it takes out the middleman of you playing the goddamn game and never mind call of duty and all that shit that's like this the mobile market is the biggest thing it, so every major corporation uh everything's anti anti the consumer anti the fan now by design it's all like no you're not we're not trying to beg for your money you <laughs> We don't even know if you're good enough to enjoy a product yet. We haven't even established <laughs> if you're one of the good people who should even have a Snickers or a fucking Gillette razor. What kind of man are you? Maybe look at yourself before you even use our razors because me too. Remember the Gillette commercial? <laughs> okay. So that shift happened. I think a lot of corporations do that deliberately though, right? They're trying to they all turn made a shift to it, all of them. And they're now, like, how are we going to get as much you know, uh, infamy and publicity out of this? Um, Nike did the same thing, I think, when they did the Colin Kaepernick ad, mm -hmm. when it's like, we know this is going to super piss off conservatives, but we've made this calculated decision in that if we spend $50 million on this, we're probably going to reap extra sales from it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the point is, is that, you know, with ad blockers and stuff we were talking about before, you can block out ads, but when social media is talking about Nike and Colin Kaepernick or Gillette uh, razors, you can't block that out because that is the content. And yeah, so ultimately, right. the entire country, the entire world is exposed to this constant reminder that Gillette razors exist or Nike shoes exist. And uh, ultimately, it's been very profitable. You know, it's actually kind of what Fox News did in the 90s when they thought instead of going for this mass market, we're going to like hyper, you know, uh, mm -hmm. appeal to one section of the market and we're going to dominate it like that. And they've been super successful. And that's yeah. kind of how like that. That was kind of the end of that sort of objectivity phrase uh, being used, the beginning of the end of it. Well, because I now, remember that, yeah. Yeah, because now uh, the Fox business model is what pretty much every cable news goes for, every cable news channel goes I know. for. Like MSNBC is kind of the liberal version of that, so is CNN. And yeah, Fox has managed to make incredible profits from it. And well, they're all, all of them are like, model. they're all, we got to kill, the, first of all, they're like, we have to destroy Fox News. It shouldn't even be on. And then we will continue on with their same business model because that's fine. And it's really, uh, uh, the, don't, this is the other thing is, uh, and I didn't, wasn't aware of this until I started talking to different people. Like a bunch of these places don't have to make money. They're getting all venture capital or investment or some kind of grants from the government. A lot of them, like podcast channels is one. My, my friend Louis, who, who him and uh, the other guy that owned this, and I have another friend out here on the West Coast, and I was asking who his competition is. He goes, maybe just Lewis. So, and I'm like, really? Everybody else is venture capital. Every other podcast channel is venture capital. So, there, there's like uh, some kind of tax. It always seemed like a tax write-off. All this stuff to me because it was so bizarre, you know. And I think it is kind of. I think there's some. Anyway, I, I want to show. Will you go? Will you put it on? Um, um, my uh, Instagram, uh, uh, Mike, with uh, the Biden. That got the warning on. So I want to show you this has got a sense of the same one that's on your Twitter. Yeah, your in fact, you can put it on my Twitter so I can see the warning. Because I'm curious, I'm curious what you think the sensitive content of this is, 
And that Biden thing you're talking about, here's what I suspect. Most people, when they don't like pay attention to him, they're, they're, they just know he's not Trump. Most of them were never political. They were forced to become aware of it because of all the, the hysteria. And they know they just wanted to be quiet. And they, uh, they think Biden has a stutter. They've internalized that, that story that he just has a stutter. So it's mean to even bring up the insane things <laughs> and they just hold on to it no matter what. Like, all right, go ahead, press play. United States. I'm awake. My fellow geraniums, our nation's in crisis. Joe Brogan has just said the N-word to Snooky Goldberg. No one's watching the Winter Olympic Biscuits. And I've just been informed the President Minister of Canada, Justy Trombone, has been killed by trucks. He was sorely missed. Not only was he the first black guy Pez minister, he was a great American. And also a, a great Muslim guy. Our farts and prayers go out to the back. Not, not, not our, our farts. Look, look. There's these trucks. They transform. They turn into robots. Well, man, we got to get, get these things running around, honking, honking around, turning into people. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Uncle Joey's on the case. First, I sent Pr Vice Principal Canola Harold up to the planet of the truck people to open a dialogue with Ostomus Prime. Second, I've asked Congress to increase my dosage of talkie pills. And finally, I've approved emergency funding to distribute free crack pipes to every man, woman, and trans Jenga. Tell us to stay alert for the truck people. They got maple syrup for blood, man. Stupid bastard doesn't even know when pink old blooms. <laughs> so, oh, that was the promo. So, yeah. that's Kyle's impression, which like, I just, somebody just posted a clip of Biden saying we were never going to have peace in Ukraine, but he meant Afghanistan. Did you see yeah, he said Ukraine. Oh, I mean Iraq. Oh, I mean Afghanistan. It was pretty incredible. That. He did what my mom does when she's calling to one of us and she says all of our names. Eric, right, Kurt, right, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I would just chalk it. I just pretty funny because my mom follows all podcasts. She follows all comedians that I know or whatever. Is, and, you know, and I have that memory too of uh, people's names that are like popular with the kids. Like I do the same, the exact same kind of thing. But um, I would just cho chalk Joe Biden up to that, except there's so many like of those those weird, uh, you know, the supposedly uh, dementia, you, people walk with their arms not moving. <laughs> Did you know that? That's like a, no. <laughs> Biden does that. He walks without moving his arms a lot. And then the, the aggression and trail offs. And if you think about it, didn't Reagan do his whole second term? Uh, completely uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> with Alzheimer's and Almost they just sad. now say it like his age like yeah he had Alzheimer's we didn't know what the hell we're just like hey we got <laughs> two four more years I guess <laughs> you know you played that clip and you're like oh what could possibly you know set off the algorithm there but um or you know set off that sensitive content but you know we don't talk about how much algorithms really control our lives now like our control our businesses you know algorithms written by some silicon valley geek uh decide what facebook shows you what instagram shows you what twitter shows you algorithms help the police decide where to spend money and they decide uh things with uh you know like healthcare services mm -hmm. government uh, 
stuff, you know, decide things based on these like things that are written down. And they talk about it being uh, objective, but it's actually, you know, very much not the case. And if you you work for Jimmy Dore, I mean, I know that he's gotten a hell of a lot of trouble with algorithms. I know at one point he was even, for some of his videos, he would spell out the sensitive word, like if he was doing Mm -hmm. a video on Syria, he would write S-Y-R-I-A. And yeah, it's the same with Mint Press. We get absolutely hammered. I wrote um, that um, article about Bill Gates that went viral. I think it was actually just taken off for sensitive content because it, you know, it said Bill Gates, and it also had you know vaccine in the first um, paragraph, and, right. then it, you know, and then it said Africa. So I could totally see why uh, a computer made or a computer would think, well, let's just take this off to be safe. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I find myself on Twitter and other places being very conscious of that. Like I deliberately don't get into fights with people. Like I'm always like, is that any swear words? Don't mm-hmm. use that, don't use this. So I'm already pre-centering myself because I know that I'm the sort of person, I'm in the sort of um, political sphere of the type of people who might get kicked off Twitter for no reason at any point because people I work with, that's happened to them, they've been suspended or not you know, permanently deleted, but you know, they have all of these things going yeah. on. So it's already like you're one of the bad ones right there. And, you know, ultimately it does, um, it affects people's careers. I mean, if the algorithm was kind to you as a, like a podcaster or a YouTube content creator, that could mean the difference between you being able to afford a mortgage and not. And so when yeah. I was watching, when I was watching that short clip that you just showed, I actually noted down six different words that I thought these might well set off the algorithm. Okay. And they were Joe, Joe Rogan. Uh, you sh- you showed a picture of uh, a guy in blackface that was Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. I could set off an algorithm. He said N words, which I thought maybe that could set off an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslim, crack pipes, and transgender. All of those things I thought potentially they could be setting off uh, an algorithm. Do you think they anticipated transgender as a. <laughs> no, well, I mean, yes, of course. Trans- oh, so what, you said transgender. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah. gender. Well, that's I mean, what I. Heard. So maybe yeah. that's what the algorithm would hear as well. But the point right. is, is that there are so many like buzzwords there where it's like any of those could potentially be doing mm-hmm. that. And that's the thing. If you talk about sensitive or controversial subjects online, especially if uh, the algorithm has already decided that you're a bad person, like if you're working for, you know, Washington Post or CNN or Fox or something, they're not going to demote you or delist you deliberately. You're on the good list already. You're white so there are already secret kind of blacklisted people who mm-hmm. you know, the algorithm deliberately suppresses, whether it's Google or Facebook or wherever. So when you're already in that sort of uh, section and you've used all of those words, it could have been any of those, frankly. Okay, wait, that, so uh, this is why. So I would think that naturally is that. However, Kyle, the guy doing the impression, he tweeted it as well i didn't retweet him he just tweeted it himself separately there's no warning on that there was no warning on the joe biden one previous to that um i think this got individually flagged and i suspect it doesn't have to do with kyle because it has to do with uh jimmy like something jimmy door like there's somebody because <laughs> a few times they'll have a person put a sensitive content on and it's just weird that it would not be on the other instances of it being so i might already be on a a thing like a you know he's not whitelisted thing on uh uh what do you call it on instagram so so we started making this show on youtube and kyle's instagram is pretty popular it's like uh it's almost like nine hundred thousand subscribers and he does these face swaps impressions okay and um we got 
he got squelched and he knew he did because suddenly he's getting 11,000 views from stuff that was 900,000, which we use that to get advertising to pay for the show to make it. So it was, so I found out a friend of mine, Brett Ernst, who's a, he's on that karate kid or the Cobra Kai show on, on that popular one. He, he knows he lives in Vegas. I had no idea about this. There's a whole industry of people that just handle, you know, internet personalities like YouTube, TikTok, all that kind of shit. The money is like, must, is, must be even more than anything in Hollywood. These people have huge followings, the kind of TV used to get, you know, like the kind the Olympics used to get when it first came out or something, you know, yeah. like 14 million. And you, you've never heard of any of them. There's some guys that are like an Impractical Joga show. I never heard of them. They have more viewers. I couldn't even, it was some crazy number, like worldwide. Um, and so they do things to get around these algorithms that, so, so Kyle, uh, we go to this consultant that Brett knew. He makes a call to uh, Facebook. This is before it was meta, I guess. Because you can't get, you couldn't contact them and ask what's happening, but you can go to a specialist who knows someone that works there, like a PI or something, and and they go, and they go, oh yeah, he's been shadow banned. They told us the exact date and what it was he posted that got a shadow banned. It was bizarre. It was a flyer for a live show we were doing at Largo of these characters, uh, Pussies, it's called. But it's all over his thing. He's never had a problem with it. For some reason, and they said they had 37 complaints that it was bad. I don't know what was offensive about this. Like, none of the videos where I would think someone would, and I don't like try to be offensive either. I was trying to be funny. But so then the guy had to chain together, or he had a thing where he has all these uh, Facebook accounts chained together that they blast your account on Instagram with, and it like wakes up the account <laughs> digitally because there's something set digitally that will make it wake up with massive amount of, uh, tra anyway, I had no idea that this is the kind of shit they have to do to, uh, to get around that. But people already know how to do it and you can pay them to figure it out. Guys, one more ad break right now. I'm sorry. Sorry that this can't get right podcast is growing and we're getting these fine sponsors and, uh, one of them that has been with uh, this podcast from the very beginning was Yo Kratom. YoKratom.com, the home of the $60 kilo. Uh, if you like Kratom, which I do like Kratom, and uh, you've experienced buying it from the smoke shops and what have you, it's very expensive. You're paying for a lot of stuff that you just, it's just a ground up leaf. Just give me that, you know? And give it to me for $60 a kilo so I can sit there like a, like a Pablo Escobar or a, 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 who's the guy they just caught, the short one? His name's El Shorty in Spanish. Chapo. You can sit there like Chapo of Kratom, basically, for $60 for a kilo. Okay? Now, I don't know how you're going to beat that. Go to yokratom.com. They got every kind of variety. I'm a big white Mangda guy, but, well, you don't have to you do that. You could get a green or a red, you know? They got them. It's all going to be $60 a kilo. It's not a different price for the different the different flavors. So right now, if you enjoy Kratom and you're over the age of 21 and you can legally get Kratom and you don't live someplace that doesn't allow you to have Kratom, go to YoKratom.com and get fast shipping at a great price of $60 a kilo. YoKratom.com. Okay, back to the show. Here's a little thing they do, which I had no idea, and it doesn't sound so complicated, but it's not the kind of thing I would have thought of. When somebody puts out a new video, because they're always watching why they're going up, they'll put up uh, AstroTurf attacks on them in the comments. So the fans get mad who love it and fight with those p 
people putting in shitty comments about their thing they like. And that <laughs> makes the algorithm see engagement because it's engagement, 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 you know. Um, so there's like, well, you know, all this stuff I found about it and people have already figured out like 10 years ago exactly how to game it the most. And so that's why I'm not so like the thing the algorithm is like, there's always somebody figuring out <laughs> how to get around this shit that you don't even know about, you know, because I don't know. I didn't know any tech stuff. And um, the the thing that's weird now is the stuff like that thing you just described of using words, all my friends on every channel, no matter what it is, when COVID came out and they weren't talking, this wasn't any vaccine at the time, but you weren't, weren't supposed to say a lab leak or something, you know, that was the, the thing you weren't allowed to say. None of them would say the word COVID. They would say the beer bug. They would say, they wouldn't even say Corona. There's an entire language, if you watch YouTube, that people use to get around saying, like you can't say uh, Nazi, okay? And beep that, that's the ultimate N word now. <laughs> you can't say it, even if you're a history channel, because the algorithms are set up to, Oh, this is, it's not, we don't care about what your side is, but we don't want the controversy of talking about it. This is a, a business we're running. And so it's, it reminds me of uh, S&P standards when you would write for shows and we would all get a hearty laugh on Monday morning from S&P about what we had to change and why. And it would never be based on any kind of like, this is swear. You could say like swears, you know, but only certain ones for bizarre re reasons. And so like uh, I was on this cartoon called Ugly Americans and there was a plot about this robot made in the 50s for if there's nuclear war, um, he was filled with the scientist's own sperm to repopulate the earth if need be. And he was had busted out and was going around squirting people, okay? So the note from S&P was, I don't, I don't know how they originally had it, if he was a, it was a fire hose of, <laughs> of jizz hitting people, but they said it can't be like that. It's got to be a certain amount of jizz, so... It, then the robot would just be a few drips. A few drips would come out of it, okay? And the thing that's so funny is the few drips is so much grosser than if they had made it the old way. Like the thing of the robot's ejaculate is like, it, it's it's somehow worse. It's like Patton Oswalt used to have a joke about that, like the when they censor the word on regular TV of, from the movie and they make it, wor it somehow sounds worse, <laughs> like a dirtier word than just saying the word. <laughs> That the algorithms are doing that. They're doing the standards and practices and standards and practices was based around legal shit. It's basically a, some lawyers and I don't know who consultant. They go, how much bullshit are we going to get for this, this and this? And they're bizarre. And, and watching now, there's a whole thing of like a different language people have to speak if they're hip to what they need to do to get their views up. And uh, I don't know, it reminds me, I, I bring it up a lot, but it reminds me of that. You, do you ever have to read Bible stuff as a kid? No, no. Oh, well, the Tower of Babel, that story of they're building a tower to take over sure. heaven. That's, that reminds me of the singularity promise that we had if we were all the technology. And then we will be God and whatever. And now no one, people who speak the same language cannot understand each other now. Yeah. Like God confused the language. It just sounds like that so much. It's incredible how much power these algorithms have. You know, uh, talking about, you know, political people, like people are changing the length of their videos. People are changing the subject of their videos because they're like, well, listen, I could do something about this really important topic, but it's going to get 10,000 views. But if I do a video dunking on somebody from a different part of, you know, the political spectrum, I might get 100,000. And then suddenly it's like, hey, mm -hmm. I can afford it next week or, hey, I can afford a new car or whatever. Yeah. And it really pushes us into directions which I think are really quite frivolous instead of looking at like important issues. One uh, channel, which I think you 
probably like might be slightly familiar with is Status Coup, who uh, is Jordan Chariton. He worked with Jimmy Dore at the Young Turks. I kind he, of know it. I kind of know it. I didn't like yeah, Young Turks. Yeah. Yeah, he was on the ground at the January 6th protests, and he was actually doing the live stream, and he, you know, sent it out on, on YouTube, and it was getting tons of views, and he actually signed deals with some, um, like, mainstream media outlets mm. to that uh, they would use exactly his footage, uh, and they would put it on their channel as their live stream, and what happened to him is that his channel actually got... Um, shut down because of that live stream footage because you know showing an illegal event but the exact same footage that was being streamed at the same time on corporate media their channels they were not taken down so again it's like it's interesting that like his stuff is getting taken down because he's not considered an important you know important enough source but you know if it was cnbc or whoever it was they're on this like good list that yeah you can do whatever you want yeah. And it's interesting, like these, uh, like Facebook has an incredible amount of power over us. Because if you remember, right at the uh, right at the sort of aftermath of January six, people weren't talking about, well, what are we going to do about this? We're not going to. People weren't, you know, phoning their senators. They were actually sending emails to Mark Zuckerberg and um, Jack from Twitter, being like, "You've got to take Donald Trump oh, down." Oh yeah! Wow, that's and a it's good kind point. of like this. It's kind of like this tacit uh, acceptance there that actually these enormous Silicon Valley uh, giants have an a huge amount of power over our entire, you know, media ecosystem, but also our, our, you know, if you want to call it a democracy, our democracy. We've turned into this like cattle tail culture. I mean, I remember it kind of, the, the first place I saw it was like with um, far right, uh, you know, brigades going after like feminist YouTubers or something in the early, 2010s and they would get like that their put down. Are you talking about and, yeah i think it's okay so like that. Not that's just great Gamergate, but other things but then right. it's just kind of turned into everybody across the spectrum doing it to everybody else the whole time and now you know we're just in this complete cluster f right now dude the whole time so when that happened because i hate when somebody puts gate on the end of something like that's that's like a i was maybe like a writer thing that like can you be more hacky of saying gate and all this yeah I have a friend they they called him Comics Gate. He used to be an artist at uh, DC. Uh, who's by the way a great guy. I can't believe the amount of smears about him. And he didn't make up that term. They made that up. So what Gamergate was? They had this whole lie that it was about a woman's sexual choices, and some guys were mad. And at the time, I didn't really pay close attention to it, even though I liked games. I'm like, well, what do you think they're going to be good? It's a goddamn games magazine. But no, it wasn't about that, and I didn't realize what it was about. I, I wrote for the, these video game awards for the first, like, Jesus, like five years that they did them. Now they're, like, considered a legitimate thing. Award shows are merely adver it's just to get advertisers. They're not, and people get upset about who got what bullshit award. They're not a thing. Like, they're specifically to sell advertising. Most of them are not judged in any, fairly in some kind of way. I guess the Oscars, like, it's still the dipshits at the Academy, and it's nonsense. It's all nonsense. But this was a new award show when I started. So I had no idea how that stuff worked until I worked on, on a show behind the scenes. And I'm like, oh, people are going to be mad at this. It's like, so whoever has the most money, basically all of the games journalism, which is where you review a product, whether it's good or not, okay, that shifted completely to PR, much the way you hear about the, the 
nor, you know, how the press is, has these corrupted relationships. And that is exactly what they were complaining about. And it got smeared as some dumb fucking, the, the feminist that, that you're talking about was somebody, again, some consultant scam artist. And video games are a place on the wall that wasn't being watched. Who cares about these nerds? Like, who cares? They, they need more feminism. That's why they're in. So all this dumb shit. And it was cover for how, how these uh, giant, almost like monopolies now, took over all these IPs and started turning out crap. The games come out not finished. They're, they have microtransactions out the ass. Okay, you know what the microtransactions are? Yeah, you were talking about this earlier. I mean, I think that's well, What really... they are is transactions. <laughs> so you yeah. buy a game, right? It's consumer abuse has been going on forever and the press is complicit in it. And if people don't know that world, the story you hear is some nonsense. It's the same, it, this is what's amazing to me is just because I happen to have interest in two things, I'm like, I don't know if people know this is everywhere. The same, like, so basically uh, uh, microtransactions, uh, the first one to do it was Bethesda who just got bought by uh, Microsoft. <laughs> and they had this hugely popular role-playing game and they started selling items. If you've heard about the controversy or NFTs, um, uh, they, they started selling items in the game. So you get some, like, a, I don't know, an outfit for your horse or something. It was a dollar. Oh, was this uh, World of Warcraft or something? Was that uh, the yeah. game? Or that, no, it? no. Uh, um, uh, that was the one I first saw with this. Oblivion. Where it was like, yeah, it was kind of like, instead of just buying the game for $50 or whatever, it was, well, you, you know, for free long play? Yeah, it's free. Or, well, maybe you pay $10 for the game, but then you have to pay twelve ninety nine a month for the rest of your life to you know, use it. Yep. That's the sort of new model. And then, as you said, there's all these yep. sorts of in-game purchases where, you know, it's really hard to do the game without them. So it's just a, an amazing like business model and it yeah. really drives people crazy, doesn't it? Well, so this is what, but I didn't know the half of it. There's a guy, Upper Echelon Games I watch who reports on this stuff really well because it's more corporate abuse. It has nothing to do with fucking feminism, any of that bullshit. It has nothing to do with any of it. They do, they're the same way we have a shortage of hospital beds or whatever. The people that make these games, and it's known, they're tr it's horrible how they're treated. The labor shit in these games, in fact, remember Grand Theft Auto uh, 4, the first one that was really popular, and the, the main character is a guy who's like Eastern, you know, he's like Serbian vaguely or something. And yeah. that game made more than any fucking movie made in profits. And the guy got paid 100 grand to do the part, and that's it, because there's no laws. Just like with the internet, there's no labor. You know, Hollywood has these labor things, but thank God for that's how I got insurance when I would be in the Writers Guild. The, um, so these labor disputes are all of them are being covered over with the the you're a, a racist, you hate women, you love all this alt rights. The number one thing they love to make. I the, anyway, the microtransactions. They're just transactions. People were like, "What is this shit? Where you we're gonna pay a dollar to get a horse?" It was crazy, and they, and they abuse the hell out of it. They all do the same thing. These companies, they abuse the hell out of a thing, and until there's pushback, consumer pushback, then they walk it back a little bit, and they but they've already crossed the line a little to make it more and more greedy. And this has been happening. So all and so the the journalists, they're like fucking sharecroppers. The same with the people who work drawing like Superman. This is what Evan explained to me, which I, I don't know if you were familiar with this. You know, the queer Superman that came out and it, all the media was like, hey, Superman's queer now. It's great. Who would hate this other than people who hate gays? Okay, so Superman's, it's not Superman, one. 
it's his son that they made up recently and um he's dating this guy with pink hair it's it seems it's insane the com okay but the reason they do this and they've been changing doing all kinds of stupid things is to not pay the survivor survivors of the original creator so every 10 years or five years the lawsuit comes up again about the rights to superman this huge ip that's made millions of dollars at the you know very little of it gets back to the thing and they have to change things but it's like 25 percent or they have to do these things to change the character so superman had a spit curl and they got rid of it and by doing that they were able to hold on to their uh copyright or something uh, uh warner brothers so one of ethan's jobs was to change the design slightly every five years when the family's got their lawsuit coming up again and this this is just another example of that well he's queer so the creators got stiffed in fact all these comics the creators get stiffed okay now the way the law works is if you're another guy who works there now who makes dick and who's writing this and he thinks he's like owning the chuds or whatever the fuck they say he's getting paid he created the gay son but he's not getting any royalties on that because that's a derivative work so they have some that's why star wars sucked we want to kill off all the characters these people love because disney owns it now remember c-3po had a red oh, arm okay. if you saw c-3po's red arm what that could very well be is a sly use of the 25 percent rule because it's his one arm <laughs> but, wow okay okay um, now i don't know 100 percent what it is but it seems very likely because that's how this shit works and so every single culture war nonsense thing that you hear about now it's almost never the real story it's about as reliable as what you would hear about syria or and and i don't know that people are aware of it even people that really like research their shit because if it's not a thing you care about you know and why would you as an adult who <laughs> <laughs> as an adult who reports on important things why would you give a shit but um this is everywhere and the crazy thing now is when people remember the one percent every talk about the one percent I, I think people just dawning on people it ain't the one it's like the point oh oh one percent has so much fucking money now <laughs> that they can keep stuff going according like if you're bill gates doing experiments in africa with your wackadoo technology ideas that all that shit's here like the propaganda that you drop on iraq or afghanistan with spider-man they're doing it here they're doing it and they're doing it to their own citizens as if they don't even as if their English is not their first language. It's almost like colonization is what's happening. So that thing that got framed is all these people don't like feminine. No, none of that was true. I mean, every part of that was a lie to smear people. And I'll, I'll email it to you. My friend that does a Star Wars thing, he did a, he got attacked by a site called Re... Will you find Rewriting Ripley, Mike? So they made a chart. Now, all they do is talk about how these giant monopolies ruined Say things again. that they want me to look? It's called Rewriting Ripley, and there's a chart connecting my buddy Gary that we had on. I shit you not to Steve Bannon. It, 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 and it, when I saw it, I'm like, this looks like the yellow cake uranium th chart. <laughs> like, like, I think a bunch of people have come back from the war and they're, that were doing that stuff, and they work in PR and shit now. You know, and they provide, the, like the people that did the hit job on Rogan, those three uh, Midas Touch or whatever, they're a super pack. And they were auditioning to get more work doing political smear jobs for like whoever that's why we have like the lincoln project that we're all republican but trump's so bad that now they do weird dirty tricks for democrats they always just switch sides back and forth um did you find it 
you're looking for a, a chart you said or i have their twitter account does they have a thing put rewriting ripley the pipe the alt-right pipeline or something <laughs> they i couldn't believe it when i saw this it was something like the kind of propaganda you would have to do about a, a, a country that i'd never heard of rather than about people that i actually know and um i think everyone's so split off from each other with the the bubble shit now there's no way you're ever gonna fight you might as well be another country like video game nerds might be as well be another country to a bunch of people they don't know what goes on in their wackadoo country you know i know they're nerds it's it's how we were about muslims in other countries we that's what we do here now Re, so do you know who probably paid for this an executive at uh disney who fucked up the star wars movies she you can pay to have these hit pieces done now it's a huge business and the algorithm and if you're with a big company like disney or something it'll be put up at the top of google or whatever you know they they can arrange it's everyone colludes together to make this thing work um okay so go down a little bit is the industry of outrage gamergate and boycott star wars for so when they say the industry of outrage like that's bad to be outraged about consumer abusive practices. Um, the guy up echelon, in fact, if, if you look him up, he has a video where somebody from Forbes did an interview with him about why are they all so angry and what is it like? And he did the classic thing of talking to a reporter, not knowing that when they work for, I, I've done this too, we knew with New York Times, not knowing what they were out to like do to me, thinking I'm just talking to somebody who wants to get <laughs> I didn't realize at this point they all have the story in mind they're gonna print so this guy so he explains all these consumer anti-consumer practices of these giant corporations to this reporter Forbes who then writes an article how anger sells how the being negative is just what sells because that's why they're being so negative and I mean that accusation of you're just being negative is the most working at a company that's doing abusive shit narrative i it's the same as a, what are you being so negative about iraq they would know they, they want democracy what are you racist they can't have democracy <laughs> that's what people said back then these tricks are all being used over and over how white supremacy misogyny and hate uh, and hate targeted the star wars sequel sequel trilogy and one um this doesn't have the chart does it if you scroll down i just want to show on the chart real quick keep going oh they spelled the word yeah keep going keep going oh here we go do you see this? Never just trolls. The reactionary right-wing network behind the fandom to alt-right pipeline. Now, all the people that I know that they put on this chart, uh, personally, none of them are any have any. Uh, 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 I mean, I don't know Tim Pool. Jeremy Geeks and Game Gamers probably is more conservative than ever. Where's um Gary? Is this all of them? Scroll it down a little more. There's more people. I thought maybe it's just those ones. Go, go back to the, the, the chart connecting people, though. Okay, so basically, they just took pictures and just drew lines to them. And that's the whole thing. Can you make it, like, bigger? Oh, yeah, Ethan's on it. Okay, go. So I don't know who Prim Peter Brimlow is. Ben Shapiro, who is connected to Milo Yiannopoulos and the alt-right. A Jewish guy. Okay, whatever. Richard Spencer, I, I, the only time I ever hear this asshole brought up is by, like, CNN, like, when they have him on to ask him his, his dumb views. Um, I don't know, really. Oh, Mike Cernovich is a guy, another guy that he trolled 
corporate press and and the smear on him is unbelievable um ethan's my friend he used to work for dc that got run out under nonsense things this is what is what do these people have to even do with each other other than i don't like all these people like this was paid for this is a paid thing by someone some executive to smear critics because the stupid youtube videos they care about those a lot like any of that mint press stuff that you guys got algorithm squashed, that Bill Gates thing, I'm mm -hmm. sure that that was no small thing. Uh, uh, in fact, before we go, just because we, I, I think I just asked you before we recorded, but just so people know, uh, that's why I first heard of mint press was the Bill Gates thing. I never before that heard of where he came from. I always was like, well, I know the story. He was a nerd and the other guy was a hippie, cool guy. And then the nerd guy did okay in the end. That's all I knew. Nothing about where we came from. I guess I assumed he was like middle class, but where does he come from? Well, I mean, he certainly comes from a very sort of elite family. I mean, that is the story that he was this little nerd who, you know, worked in, uh, you know, in tech and was very interested in it and started up this little company called Microsoft and through, you know, a little bit of plucky gumption, he managed to make it big. But the reality is, is that when you look at people like Bezos and Gates and these guys, they, or and Elon Musk is an even better example. The guys, you know, parents wanted uh, emerald mine in South Africa. But with uh, Gates, yeah, I mean, a lot of his success is down to his super rich mother. She was actually on the board of IBM in the 1980s. And it was her that really, you know, pushed, um, pushed IBM to sort of install Microsoft products as a standard on their machines, which made Microsoft kind of the industry standard in the 1980s and then yeah. into the 1990s when Gates was actually taken to court by the US government for his monopolistic practices. And uh, yeah, the article you're talking about specifically is called uh, Reveal Documents Show Bill Gates Has Given 319 Million to Media Outlets. I simply went through just, gosh, it took absolute days just going through thousands upon thousands of grants made by the Gates Foundation and, you know, typing keywords in, looking for things like newspaper, podcast, radio, etc. And yeah, I found that um, an absolute bare minimum, which is clearly going to be way below the actual figure that um, the Gates Foundation is sponsoring uh, media around the world to the tune of at least 319 million. And they include some of the biggest media outlets in the world, including NPR, I'll go down the list now, NPR, CNN, the BBC, uh, Univision, the Financial Times, uh, The Guardian, Al Jazeera. Yeah, there's absolutely just a ton of uh, really um, big ones, especially in the United States, PBS, Gannett, uh, ProPublica. He really likes to um, sponsor a lot of Washington-based, um, Washington State-based um, media as well, which um, helps his you know own image in his uh, little world. But yeah, Gates is um, really... Uh, and he also, of course, um, sponsors journalism colleges and all sorts of like initiatives, journalism centers. So it's now quite possible for somebody to uh, go to, you know, some sort of training as a journalist paid for by Gates, go to a center paid for by Gates and then write articles and make a career talking about things uh, that Gates really wants to be uh, talked about. And specifically, what Gates is really interested in is education and health. And he's got a lot of influence in both. He's one of the big pushers of the charter school movement in the United States, which is very, very popular with businesses, but very unpopular with teachers unions. 
if you know what that is, it's, I mean, I'm obviously simplifying, but it's kind of like turning uh, public schools over to businesses and letting them run as a private business. And of course, what you do there is you immediately streamline it by, you know, firing teachers and hiring yeah. them back if you if they're not allowed unions, etc. So it's it's not a great, you know, system. Right. And, you know, they're, they're able to like, you know, hothouse these kids and get them, you know, a better grade in math or science or something. But, you know, at what cost to their education and to what cost it to the community? And his stuff about global health is, uh, is uh, you know, he's had a huge deleterious effect on global health just in the past couple of years. I mean, uh, Oxford University famously came up with this uh, vaccine, the AstraZeneca one we know it as. Um, they were originally going to just let that patent be completely free and let the entire world copy their stuff. And so everybody could get vaccinated for a couple of dollars. But Bill Gates, who uh, has a lot of connections with Oxford University, has given them millions of dollars just in the past couple of years, picks up the phone and rings up and says, you know, you really have to partner with a private company and give them the patent, etc. So that, you know, this is how the free market works. And, you know, they can use their, uh, you know, their efficiency to get it, you know, uh, around the world. That's clearly not happened. And, you know, if even if you look at the stats now, for instance, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, which is the largest country in sub-Saharan Africa, less than 1% of their population has even been offered a vaccine yet. And that is right. in no small part down to Bill Gates. And yet, because he um, funds this wide plethora of media, uh, most of the stuff you'll see in uh, the press about him is pretty much puff pieces. People don't go near this because either they are thinking about getting a job in one of these places and know you know bill gates is one of the biggest funders it's probably not best to you know bite the hand that feeds you or you know it's just kind of been you know pushed off to the side as something that we shouldn't really talk about and that's really important because we rely on these media outlets to um shine a light on uh, the powerful and really take hold them to account and you know scrutinize them and who is more powerful than one of the richest men in the entire world. Bill Gates has got an enormous amount of power in his hands. And yet, you know, uh, unfortunately, we've got this massive conflict of interest going on. Yeah, well, dude, <laughs> that's what, uh, it seemed like some kind of funding was coming through because of the bizarre messaging that was coming into places where you wouldn't even, because, you know, here's what we got from the, by the way, for the activism in video games. Now they have things like, fucking Fortnite will play a speech by Martin Luther King virtually. Have you seen, have you seen this shit that they do? No, I, I, I don't really, I'm not in the video games world. It's a all. shooting bang bang game that starts off like people are going to log in. It's the grossest marriage of things like the separate. I, I, I've said on, on here a lot and I heard people say on Bill Maher too, but we have this big separation of church and state thing and we don't have any commercial and state like separation i just want the state to make sure they're not trying to like kill me <laughs> and i don't want them like oh we need to support this fucking because like these are idiots that make these decisions and that when you just described astrazeneca that sounded like a a, a four-year comic signing a deal that they don't understand because they didn't they didn't uh you know have the right pe uh, representatives so you have all these lawyers and stuff to know if you're getting cheated by some <laughs> by some company with a contract written in legalese like that sounds like like a hollywood hey kid don't worry we're gonna make a vaccine to star <laughs> like none of it gets 
we all are on our like fourth helping over here and like people yeah. never had one goddamn dose and the same people who are like have four helpings of it are like everyone has to get it and you're like you're not, you don't seem too concerned about all these people that had no access to it and they have to use uh what did you call it horse dewormer now <laughs> that's what these people had not you i mean you know i mean it like well it's good enough for the people you didn't give the vaccine to the the horse dewormer it, that's interesting but I don't think any people are aware of it. I think that's uh, they get their information from Stephen Colbert doing a song and dance. A lot of these people. <laughs> I, I live in Hollywood, so that's why I say that. But it really is like this drive of like, don't do your own research. Get your information from fucking like Disney Plus. Or if it's something for adults, it's made like a kid's show. You know, like that's the convince they're like this will convince people like Colbert's going to do this dance with cartoon syringes and it's like everything's a profound insult to your intelligence like they figured out what's the lowest and that's how it has always been but it's on a level now where I never saw anything like it because I didn't think I was particularly uh I wasn't I wasn't particularly hyper aware of like the the matrix <laughs> it was it you know I grew up with like a a nice matrix <laughs> And now it, this is like the Matrix Resurrections level quality. It is, there's a significant downgrade. And I know it has something to do with like a monopoly taking over the Matrix and not having a, you know, like real midwits making the decisions of like, this is a believable thing. And this is, and, and even a stupid person can see through it, it seems like. Um, anyway, I got to wrap up. We, wanna, we actually went pretty long. But thanks for coming, man. Uh, good talking to you. Very interesting. Yeah, good talking with you, man. Um, yeah, uh, uh, come back on sometime, especially if you have like a thing being squelched, like a Gates thing. That's a, especially important because I, I like having, um, like I said, I'll go on a lot of people's different shows, like like my friend Sitch and Adam that they just break down. They do like debates. They break down. You know, there's a lot of reaction stuff. And they were calling Jimmy Venezuela Jimmy. Uh, cool. <laughs> right. Because that's like people are like, how do you support? You know, I had Aaron Mate on. And so my friend's like, well, he denies the Uyghur uh, genocide. Okay. Now I went to China. People in, that I met in China, were, I hadn't, that was the first time I ever heard of Uyghurs. <laughs> like from an expat, so I'm like, oh, and the, and the Chinese guy was like, yeah, well, they're terrorists, you know. It, it sounded very Guantanamo to me when I was there. So I go, I know there's a fucked up thing going on because they weren't like exactly hiding it. They were like, yeah, of course. And, um, Aaron was like, well, I'm not saying there's not abuses. It's the word genocide is a very specific crime that you don't stretch unless it's a genocide. Cause if we're going to do that, that's, and I even thought of, I didn't even think of that. Like, I was like, well, you deny the Uyghur genocide. You must think nothing's going on. And I don't think people, unless I talk to people, I don't get, I, I won't hear it. So I like to get like, I guess you're on some kind of fringe list. You must be. <laughs> well, I think it's yeah, I think I try and keep myself uh, as clean as possible, as I said, by not like interacting with people, not trying to like provoke the powers that be. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, uh, yeah, if you're going to start challenging power and you get to a certain level of notoriety, uh, that ban hammer is coming for you. And, you know, with that with that Bill Gates article, it actually went viral. It got hundreds of thousands of views. But yeah. because we didn't get any monetization from it, um, because Google decided that, I'd imagine the company actually lost money running that that story and that yeah. is a real powerful disciplining uh, function of the media when you know yeah, if you're yeah. going to break something and it's like well man 
do I really want to spend, you know, this amount of days, you know, commissioning this only to lose money on it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, man, because a lot of stuff is not. I, I wouldn't say I'm a. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm anything, but like, the idea. I just still remember as a kid when back when Ross Perot was running. He was probably would have been better actually than all these people. But every you got to run it like a business. You got to run the company. Well, we do that, everyone. How do you like it? <laughs> we run it like a. It, so when I the arguments about if it's going to be right, you know, you want the government to control you, this, that that's the arguments, the dumbass arguments we have here. And, and I was like, no, I'd like a, a corporation the size of a small government to to I'd like to belong to six different like nations and five of them are brands that don't have any constitution whatsoever. And if I say something, they'll smear me as I, I've been through that whole machine already. So it was a real eye opener because I never did think the press was great but I didn't understand the level of they just fucking lie. And I don't think people do. So I don't know. A lot of people get, I would encourage people to check out like Mint Press or uh, especially Max and uh, Aaron at uh, Gray Zone. They're very leftist, uh, uh, Max and Aaron, uh, but they are on a list of uh, being, I think, probably alt-right, I'm, I'm guessing, based on, <laughs> based on how they treat you if you try to tell the truth about the wrong thing. Like, you're not leftist. What are you? That's where we're at. Oh yeah, Aaron's a really good journalist, but I think he does get it in the neck. I don't know what his argument about the Uyghurs is, so I'm not going to comment. But yeah, he does get it in the neck constantly, and I think part of it is is that he's willing to put his head above the parapet and really go in for these fights. You know, I think that might just be his style. But yeah, if you're you're going to be challenging power and you're going to be a journalist, um, you're going to run into some problems. That's for sure. Yeah, too few people do it. And then well, I noticed the ones that do get attacked. So thanks for doing it, man. And um, you have anything to promote besides uh, the yeah, book or something? Uh, apart that? from Mint Press News, uh, I don't know. Just follow me on Twitter at Alan R. McLeod. That's McLeod spelled M-A-C-L-E-O-D. All right, cool. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Cool. My pleasure. Because I can't get right. Because I can't get right.